Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you... Tonight we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of our show. Uh, we have a lot to get to. Uh, of course, we have NFL Wild Card Weekend. Uh, we had NFL Black Monday this past Monday, uh, which saw yep. several head coaching jobs open up. And actually, you, I guess you could call it Black Week. Because it wasn't exactly a Black Monday as more as it was a Black Week when you consider all of the head coaching openings that have all of a sudden opened uh, throughout the league, uh, and we've also had one uh, we've also had one uh, one opening officially closed. Uh, we do also have we're going to talk about basically two coaching legends. Maybe three, depending on what you think of the third one uh, tonight, who are either looking for a job or, <coughs> excuse me, or are uh, officially retired and done with. Uh, we will also take a look at the uh, updates to MLB free agency because there are a little bit, there are a few of them. And uh, we will also, of course, take a look at the NFL wildcard games that have uh, taken place as we do already have one final uh, with the Houston Texans officially moving on with a 45 to 14 demolishing of Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns. But we have Lou and we have Diane uh, to start off the show tonight. Uh, How are you two doing? Judging from that first game, I'm like, wow, I didn't, I did not expect that at all. I expected a much more closer <laughs> game, and instead, it turned to be a rout. Because I had a tough time to tell you Yeah, you know, you're right, you're right, Lou. Because uh, I don't yeah. think a lot of people expected. I, I mean, people expected uh, this game currently in Kansas City, a ten to seven Kansas City lead. Uh, everybody expected Kansas City and Miami to be close, which, by the way, they're they're playing in negative four-degree weather, which, considering the wind right. chill, I think that's like about, what, negative 24 or something that they're currently I mean, playing in out there? Yeah, I hope they brought their long john with them. Oh. So, uh, you know, everybody expected the score to be kind of what it is right now. Yeah. Um, you, you also you also have to consider as well that uh, you know this brings this brings us all the way back to the deflate uh, you know between oh, yeah. New England and uh, Indianapolis when yeah. they were playing in similar conditions where when it comes to temperature I really hope they actually measure the psi in the balls tonight to make sure that nobody had quote unquote deflated the balls even though uh, anybody would know that anybody would know that a change in weather temperature would actually affect the PSI. 
Well, I've often wondered how it would affect because, you know, I think weather does play a, a factor in how you handle the ball. I've always thought that. You know, and with with cold and snowing, you know, I think it's tough to hold on, hold on the ball. You can see a lot of fumbling. You can see a lot of interceptions going on. So it does make it – I do think it does play a factor. Yeah, I mean, if you know, if you notice, uh, if you notice, oh, yeah. Lou, when they when they opened up the game tonight, uh, there were quite a few dropped balls to start off this That's game. Exciting. So, I mean, it's it's not really surprising at all when you when you take no. into account. Okay, obviously, obviously, it's it, you're probably looking at a football that's basically as hard as a rock. Sure. For this game. Okay. How can football be as hard as a rock? Aren't rocks hard like football? Well, Diane, <laughs> when you factor in the conditions, uh, it does make it hard. It does make it a much harder game. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know. just, I mean, just imagine. I mean, yeah. keep in mind, you're playing with pigskin. You're playing with pigskin leather when you're when you're playing with a football. Now, imagine if that football is out in the cold, out in negative degree weather for a certain length of time. It's, you know, what, uh, you, may, you may be able to get a grip on the ball, you know, to, uh, to start off with it in, like, normal weather. But the longer it's yeah. out there in the cold, the more that that, that, that leather is going gonna, is gonna to contract. Which basically, okay. what that means yeah. is it's ba- it's basically going to become as hard as a rock, essentially. Right. Okay. Yep. Okay. So it's, you know, I I can't really say I'm su- I'm I'm surprised at all, but Kansas City is driving here. Um, I can't really I say I'm surprised at all that it's that it that it's a, a low score to start off with here. No, no, no. Uh, but. Is Kansas City winning? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. it, does look, it does look like Kansas City is about to score because they they got it all the way to their uh, all the way to Miami's ten yard line on this last Ooh. run by uh, Pat yeah. Mahomes. Are you watching the game, so, Steve? Do you have the Peacock streaming service? Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got it on Peacock right now. I have it online. Oh, okay. Although I don't, I don't know, is it is it uh, is it available elsewhere? It's available online. Online. Well, yeah, okay. obviously. No, uh, I guess. Obviously, obviously yeah, but. Excuse me. I never really have available any other channel. It's exclusively no, no. on Peacock. Just on Peacock. You know, I never really understood that because wouldn't you think that they would want to get as many eyes on postseason yeah. football as possible. Absolutely. So why would you why 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 would they do something like this where they would where they would put Thursday night football on Amazon and they would have some postseason football games on Peacock. Yeah, this this doesn't make it doesn't make any sense at all. I mean what's NBC trying to prove? And I don't want the game to be televised. Uh, yeah, maybe you're right. 
Well, I'm I'm wondering what what was the first game on? Was the first game on NBC? Yes. Okay, that might be why. I think it's I think it's because that uh, <clears throat> it has to do with the programming cycle. So obviously, once that first game ends, they have to do the post game for that yeah. game, and that would kind of interfere with Kansas City and Miami for the second game. It would, so, it would, but my so, so you would think, a different football channel. Well, here's my thing though. I mean, this is a primetime game, and primetime games should be long on the network because you get more viewers that way, not a four, not a four thirty game. Right. But what's the four thirty game? Houston, Houston, Houston Cleveland. Cleveland yeah, Houston, Cleveland. Game? Houston, Cleveland. Yep. Yeah. Oh. That's- it's yeah, good. it was uh, originally the one o'clock game was supposed to be. Uh, Pittsburgh and Buffalo, but because of the uh, horrible weather that's going yeah. on in Buffalo, uh, they postponed it to Monday. Which, considering uh, considering the uh, the video, the short video that the Buffalo uh, Bills put out on their Twitter account, it's no wonder why uh, there's no game tonight because there's literally it's literally a blizzard right now uh, in Buffalo at yeah. the uh, stadium. Yeah, I don't know. But is this going to stop on Monday? What if there's still a blizzard on Monday? It won't be. I think they, I think they can get the game on Monday, Di. I think it'll okay. happen. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll definitely be... It'll definitely be done by Monday, but the, th- the thing is, like, they uh, they were actually asking for people to to help out like they were they were asking for uh for people to help out with shoveling um for today's yeah. game and obviously i mean come on just looking at the conditions that there that there are right now uh there's no there's no way that they would even be able to get a game played i wouldn't monday right well, I mean, obviously they could have they could have switched the, they could have put it off to tomorrow, but uh, that would be a very short turnaround uh, having yeah. to get the stadium ready. So, if anything, Monday was the more uh, yeah, Monday was the more uh, was the more uh, likely scenario. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, we did have, st- staying on football, obviously, of course, uh, we did have uh, an earlier game with the Houston Texans with a 45-14 to 14 victory over the Cleveland Browns. And it seemed to me, Lou, like uh, the Cinderella story of Joe Flacco, his carriage uh, turned into a pumpkin once, once, the, once the clock struck midnight. Hey, it. The clock struck before I was midnight. The clock struck at eleven. At eleven. Yeah, and basically, uh, I'm not not just uh, not just did he have a little bit. I mean, okay, he had a little bit of an off night. You know, three a uh, three hundred and seven yards, uh, one touchdown, two picks. But it's the two picks that really hurt because those yeah. two picks turned into pick sixes, and. Yeah, uh, you know, it it just seemed it just seemed like 
you know, D'Amico Ryans had his team prepared a lot better uh, than Kevin Stefanski did with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, right. CJ Stroud, you know, uh, a great. Well, it was it was a great. Uh, I want to say about six weeks left in the season, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was in November, I think it was. Uh, let me yes. bring, let me bring in Alex. Alex, do you remember? Do you remember when uh, when Flacco joined Cleveland? Hey guys, uh, it was after uh, Deshaun Watson went down. So yeah, maybe like yeah, eight weeks, maybe eight weeks ago, maybe two months ago with two and change. I'll look it up real quick. Right. Yeah. That kind of, that kind yeah, of after, after that monument, yeah, after, I mean, that's after that monument. Yeah, huh? I thought he was a New York Jet. <laughs> yeah, years ago. Um, yeah, that was years. Yeah, ago. to that okay. terrible odd. Uh, Deshaun Watson bust of a signing, and Flacco really resurrected his career. I'll look. I'll look it up real quick. But it seemed like basically Flacco's uh, Cinderella story uh, for this year basically came to a screeching halt uh, after oh, the hands of the Houston Texans. Wow, and Steve, to answer your question, it was literally a, tomorrow would mar- or actually yeah, tomorrow would market exactly one month. So no, they sent him to the patch. So yeah, it's been like five weeks. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. okay. Wow. Maybe six so, weeks. I, I don't I know. Mean, it says they elevated they elevated from from the practice squad on December fourteenth. Tomorrow's January fourteenth. But before that, they had him for okay, a couple yeah, weeks. So, so. Yeah, yeah. So just, regardless, so, I mean, he was probably on the practice squad <laughs> for about a week or two uh, beforehand as well. It was like a two, okay. like a two month uh, like a two month run. Came to a screeching yeah. halt. Yeah. Came to a screeching halt by the by the uh, by the rookie duo of uh, of C.J. Stroud and head coach D'Amico Ryan's, and I got to tell you, C.J. Stroud he didn't look like any rookie in this uh, in no. this matchup for a for for a rookie playing in his first playoff game. You know, 274 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, he went 16 of 21. And, I mean, also, of course, he was uh, heavily helped by those two straight pick sixes that were thrown by Joe Flacco. Uh, one of them mm-hmm. was like an 82-yarder, and the other one was, uh, let's see, it was 82 yards and a 36-yarder that both went back, uh, went all the way for a touchdown um, each time. So now – the backbreaker. Like, the, uh, those were like – those were within like those were within like those were within like two minutes. Dude, that was just the crusher. Fourteen points right there. Right. Boom, it's over. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, that that right there was basically where the tide had essentially oh, oh. completely turned. Yes. So now I don't know where they would be. I mean, obviously, obviously they advanced to the divisional round. Uh, I assume they would take on. 
Wait a minute. Let me see. Where was... I can look it up real quick to Steve if you want. I can help him look up real quick. I'm, I'm already on the, the website. Like yeah, I'm by, uh... trying to figure... I'm trying to figure out, because uh, obviously they do it based off of seeding. So Texas was number four. So that means that they'll probably get, oh, they'll get the Ravens then. Right. Oof. Yeah, they get, ooh, okay, yeah. They get, they get, on, on Texas and the Ravens. Well, actually, no, hang on a minute here. If, uh... Really depends on who wins uh, the next couple of days. Though, Steve, it gets all funky. Yes, it's yes. like they don't know where they're playing right. yet. Right. Right. So Maybe if Baltimore. we assume that if we if we assume that Kansas City beats Miami and that Buffalo beats uh, and Buffalo beats Pittsburgh, oh, that's then good. Houston, I would like for Buffalo to beat Pittsburgh. We'll see about that. Then then Houston would go to Baltimore, and. Kansas City would go to Buffalo. It all it all really does actually depend on who wins these uh these next two AFC uh wild card games here. Yes. So okay. So Houston right now is uh is unknown as far as to where they're going to be uh where they're going to be headed for the divisional round. Uh but regardless though, you know, I mean this uh, this was a pretty good uh for for anybody who who uh, who thought that maybe C.J. Stroud wasn't the answer uh, for for Houston, yeah. you take a look at what he's done in his in his rookie season, and now he's off to the divisional round. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's really whatever he has instilled in this Houston Texans team. Uh, I would be surprised to be quite honest. Uh, I mean, obviously playoffs don't don't play a factor in awards, but I would be surprised if uh, D'Amico Ryans isn't named coach of the year. Yes. 100%. Yeah, and, and Stroud, like you said, Stroud would be definitely um, the rookie. I didn't hear what you said. Is anyone up for coach of the year besides D'Amico Ryans? Oh, I'm sure there is. Uh, yes. I mean, they haven't named they haven't named the uh, the finalists yet, but I assume uh, I assume Mike McDaniel would probably be up there. Maybe Kevin Stefanski. Um, McDaniel, yeah, I mean, with the Stefanski with the Browns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would assume D'Amico Ryan has to be up there. He's the yeah, um, maybe, maybe Dan Campbell with the Lions. I think it'd be between oh, D'Amico Ryan and Dan. Be between yeah. Dan, between Campbell and D'Amico Ryan, definitely. Both really good, really good efforts. Okay. And Scott, I think Scott's got to be Rookie of the Year. And I mean, today, I mean, he did it without Tankdale, a great weapon, his first ever playoff game, and against an awesome, really good, really strong uh, Cleveland defense too. Lit him up. Yeah, they, they look awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, Cl- Cleveland for for a team that looked like they were going to they were going to go on a potential run with Joe Flacco. Everybody was basically reminded that Joe Flacco is still Joe Flacco. 
Well, what I mean by that is uh, by Joe Flacco being Joe Flacco, meaning that he's not really elite. He's average. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of people still believe that uh, that the only reason why he won that Super Bowl was because he was carried by the defense. Which, yeah, I mean, it's it, Joe Flacco is still Joe Flacco. We'll put it that way. Yeah, he really. Uh, it was his worst game by far as a Brown today, and I mean, the two turnovers were egregious. I know, but I don't know. It's not to make excuses for him. I know Amari Cooper's favorite weapon was banged up, but yeah, it just like all went to to shit today after such a great run. But yeah, he kind of resorted back to the old average Joe. And he ain't good. But they were gonna take him out. He was good. Look What's that, that then? He was good. What? He was yeah, good for a couple weeks. Yeah, did you, did you see him at all? Or, yeah, and then today he didn't play well. No. So, okay. Yep. I mean, Joe Flacco but, previously he, Joe Flacco previously he was good, but he was not like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning good. No, I mean, he he was good enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. We'll just put it that way. But if you expected, if you, if you expect a quarterback to somehow lead your team uh, with a fourth quarter comeback or something, uh, most of the Mm -hmm. time, Joe Flacco was not that guy. No. Oh, okay, okay. Not at all. But anyway, oh, no, uh, obviously, we'll, uh, obviously, though, we'll see uh, how the rest, rest of the AFC. I didn't hear it. We, we, will, uh, we, we'll, we'll, we will see how the rest of the AFC and NFC matchups uh Start, uh, you know, turn about here over the next upcoming days. However, uh, we do have the w- – w- with the end of every NFL season comes the coaching carousel, or Black Monday, as we like to call it. Uh, <laughs> th- this, year's, this year's Black Monday, though, was uh, – I mean, how do we put it? It was kind of lacking a little bit. It was, yeah, no, it was kind of lacking actually because a lot of the uh, a lot of the firings occurred after Black Monday or before yeah, Black Monday. Yeah, literally, yeah. I got you. So, as far as the exact date, it was lacking, but yeah, this week's been crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, j- just to just to start off with, uh, obviously K- Carolina before the season was over, they fired Frank Reich as their head coach. Uh, Las Vegas, they got rid of they got rid of Josh McDaniels as their head coach, uh, and actually, from what it looks like, it looks like Antonio Pierce may uh, may not have the uh, may not have the uh, title of head coach uh, now. With uh, rumors coming out of there that they may be looking to go elsewhere, uh, basically Rich Passaccia 2.0, we'll call him. Yeah, um, how much more he needs to do to keep that job. He totally deserves a shot. But whatever, that's the Raiders. Raiders are going to be the Raiders. 
They're going to be yeah. idiotic at times. Uh, the L.A. Chargers, they're another, uh, you know, they're another uh, attractive destination after they got rid of their brain-dead head coach, Brandon Staley. You know, I, I find it hard to believe that he's an offensive guru when yet a lot of their brain farts came offensively. I, yeah. I, I, I find it astounding that they come, yeah. that he's considered an offensive guru. If you're an offensive yeah. guru, you don't make the offensive mistakes that his team often made. Yeah, yeah. I think it was just uh, it was just offensive. It was offensive to watch him have to watch him on Sunday. It was a, it's just yeah embarrassing. Yeah, total total uh, just total mental meltdown. You know, he cost that that team. That's always been a talented team, as we all know, and it just absolutely fumbled it away. You know, like so many different times, they would just squander leads or make mistakes because <laughs> of him. I don't I don't see him uh, getting another head coaching gig in the NFL for a long time. I just don't. Yeah, it would be very surprising, honestly, if he finds himself. Uh, he's probably going to find himself as an offensive coordinator somewhere. Uh, somewhere. Uh, now, as far as the Black Monday firings went, though, uh, we had Arthur Smith of the Atlanta Falcons, which is, in, in all honesty, to me, it was kind of surprising. Because here's a guy who went three well. straight years, three straight years with a seven and ten record, and now granted he has misused players like Kyle Pitts, uh, you know, uh, these these last three years, but to me. His firing basically signals that Arthur Blank is looking uh, – he, he's looking to turn his team around with a high-profile hiring. And, Lou, you don't, you don't think that it was, uh, it was surprising at all to see Arthur Smith get well, the boot? Uh, I think, some, get I the think something had to give after, after the third season going 7-10, and 10, I think Blank had just, you know – Things like that, that's enough. You know, like time to time to move on because you have to come to a point at some, at some time, you know, you're not getting better. Yeah, like you're, you're probably getting worse. It was a crappy division as we as we know, and so a, a change I think had to be made. So I think you know, Blank was right in doing it. I think he should have done it last year. You know, cause you can't be, you know, making this playoff mentality. You know, and you're not getting anywhere near the playoffs. You know, seven, ten, three straight years. You know, something has to give us at some point. So I think it would ha- I think it had to be done this year. So I really wasn't surprised at all. I totally agree. I mean, they invested. They got really. They have a, a yeah. few of the best young players in the whole league. Dejon Robinson, a running back, he was misused a lot. Uh, as you said, Steve Kyle Pitts was like a top six, like a transcendent talent at tight end. They have him blocking. They don't even have him going out and catching balls. Like the fans were so pissed. And like Lou said, if you're just kind of mediocre or not really progressing. Time for a change. Yeah, how much longer do you last yeah, in mediocrity? Yeah, they're just kind of going nowhere with some really good good players. Like, let's get in someone who can really kick their ass into gear and score some points and not go 7-10. and 10. They should be right. better than that record. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can, sort, I can sort of see where uh, – I mean, if you finish three straight years at 7-10, and 10, uh, maybe perhaps – 
there is a uh, you know there is a change to be made, maybe a uh, a different voice of leadership. Um, now, obviously, we will get to his potential replacement uh, a little later on because we do have more firing uh, <laughs> to get to uh, here. Uh, the Washington Commanders. Uh, this one seems like a foregone conclusion, uh, in all honesty. Uh, Ron Rivera, uh, they moved on from Ron Rivera as their head coach. As uh, He basically is a remnant of the last ownerships uh, remaining, the remaining pieces of, the last, of their last owner, uh, you know, when it comes to – the the commanders basically want to start fresh. They want to start fresh. They want to start anew. Sure. Uh, they also fired their general manager as well, and they brought in Adam Peters from uh, San Francisco, who was the assistant general manager over there, to basically uh, try and resurrect uh, this franchise. And and not just that, but the Commanders finished with the second worst record in the league, and maybe the worst defense in all of the NFL. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of overturn that has to be done. And I mean, let, let's just face it, Ron Rivera. <coughs> I mean, I, I I hate to I hate to say it, but his coaching his head coaching days may potentially be behind him. I mean, yeah. uh, obviously he's not he, – uh, these aren't the Carolina Panthers who, uh, you know, who thrived under Cam Newton. Um, I mean, he had an 8-8-1 and eight, an eight, eight and one record last year and only to finish 4-13 and 13 this year. Uh, you know, having three out of four losing seasons in Washington, it, it, it just kind of seemed like a, like a change was needed. So, yeah, and I think in his defense, he definitely wasn't uh, lighting the world on fire, like helping his cause much, but it's, it's a tough situation. I, I know they changed owners, but Daniel Snyder was a, just an abysmal owner. It was very toxic. A lot of players, it was like a mutiny. It's just a tough – it wasn't a good environment for him to do well, and he didn't really do himself any favors. So, maybe, and hopefully he'll resurface maybe as a defensive coordinator, but, yeah, he, you know, not a good look for him the last couple of years. No, I could see it. I could see it. I, I could I could potentially see him, uh, you know, showing back up as a defensive coordinator somewhere. Uh, what What are your thoughts, Lou, on uh, Ron Rivera and his exit from uh, Washington? Yeah, what a surprise that is. Considering what you know, they've done through this season, uh, doesn't shock me at all. You probably did better than Geraldo Rivera. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you think his head coaching days are done or do you think do you think he could find he could pop up elsewhere? If he does, I feel sorry for whoever takes him. I'm guessing he's is he not a good coach? No. Okay. Uh, he used to be a good he used to be a good coach. Yeah, he used to be a good coach with uh, with Carolina, but uh, you know, I almost wonder if you can if you can kind of put the blame part of the blame on ownership because 
ownership so, didn't really yeah, surround it. him with uh, with tools to succeed in Washington. More than yeah, more I mean, of the blame on ownership. It's a tough place to win. It just it seems like it's almost poisonous. You know, it's just. Sam Howell wasn't Are very good. They went through a ton of, they, they went through a, No, just the, the environment, the team, it's the culture, yeah. the ownership, the locker room. People, like, don't win there, and there's a lot of in-house fighting, and it's very toxic. Like, the ownership, it starts at the top. It's like, like in business and companies. The owner is just, like, terrible. And the players got to right. losing, and then look at, I mean, look at how many quarterbacks they had, too. That's just like a last – it's just an embarrassing franchise. It really was for several years, and he was kind of just – you know, he's the fall – he didn't do himself any favors, I know, but, he, I mean, that's a really tough head coaching place to do well. Just not many people seem to be able to thrive in Washington. Yeah. Now, we go from – we go from Ron Rivera over to Mike Vrabel of the Tennessee Titans. And this one, this one was the first shocker, I feel, was Mike Vrabel being, uh, being taken out of Tennessee after six seasons with a 54 and 45 record. He had four, four out of the six seasons with winning records. He made three playoff appearances with a two and three record in postseason games including a trip to the AFC title game in 2019, which, of course, ended up being won by Kansas City that year. Um, and also, despite finishing at least three games under 500 the last two years, Vrabel is widely respected in NFL circles and is easily considered to be one of the top uh, one of the top NFL head coaches on the open market right now. And the thing that gets me is it's been reported that the main reason why he got fired was because the Tennessee Titans owner, Amy Adams Strunk, apparently did not like uh, his – she did not like uh, how he went about himself during the bye week when he was inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame. And he made a comment where he said something along the lines of, it's almost like he was acting like a fan. Where I mean, obviously, you know, if you're a Patriot legend and you're, you're gonna be, you're gonna try to get the fans amped up. Well, he said, uh, he said, I'll keep the speech short because we got a game to win. And apparently, that's what offended the Titans owner because. <coughs> it basically made her feel, I guess, like he was already preparing to eventually take over for Bill Belichick, even though, you know, even, even though there were no words, no such words were ever spoken. But, uh, well, the whole thing with Vrabel is, I mean, he's a three-time Super Bowl champion. He was obviously, you know, he was part of the first dynasty uh, of the Patriots. Uh, I, I mean, he's one of the he's one of the best football minds uh, in head coaching right now in today's NFL. And he had a falling out with uh, Tennessee 
over the last couple of years because he wanted more control over player uh, over player personnel, and the owner wouldn't give him that. And this is also attributed to when they traded away AJ Brown to the to the Philadelphia Eagles, which was a move that Mike Vrabel was very against. And that's ultimately a lot of people could argue that that trade is what basically sent Tennessee on their downhill spiral uh, the last two seasons. Yeah. Yeah, and in that in that same draft, they drafted Malik Willis second round. Malik Willis has been a terrible quarterback. He's been a bust. And then uh, Traylon, uh, shoot, really good looking uh, receiver from Arkansas, but he he was a bust too. Um, Traylon, he was going to be the replacement for AJ Brown. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, so they've, they've had just some bad uh, front office GM moves. So, yeah, Vrabel, I guess, wanted more power. It's a tough, tough situation there. And then it looks like Derrick Henry's moving on. Yeah. It's kind of a yeah, mediocre you know, franchise, call, unfortunately. I wouldn't call Traylon Burks a bust. Uh, his problem a lot of injuries. is that he has – yeah, a lot of injuries, basically. He's been injury-prone early on in his career here, but I wouldn't – I wouldn't necessarily label him as a plus. You're right. It's been it's been early. It's just tough because they he was literally marked as their uh, you know they they literally used that same draft pick they got for AJ Brown for him and they were like wow this is a big physical receiver you know we're getting younger right and he just can't stay on the field yet I hope he does well man he has an awesome uh, pedigree he's physically gifted but yeah, he just hasn't really produced they just haven't yeah. really have any playmakers besides King Henry I mean. Starts with the quarterback spot too, and Malik Malik Harris Malik was just a bust of a quarterback. So Gravel was getting kind of pissed off. He wanted more control. Got to get the right players in there. Yeah, and also it, it didn't help either that uh, you know drafting Will Levis as the potential successor to Ryan Tannehill uh, that wasn't enough to save Gravel's job apparently. Although I will say I do like, uh, you know, if you, if they give well Will Levis time to develop, I think he's going to be a solid quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, as long as they give him time to develop and they, you know, they put weapons around him to be able to get the ball to. Uh, but, yeah, Tennessee, I mean, they're probably losing uh, – Hen, uh, Derek Henry, they're probably losing Ryan Tannehill oh. this offseason too. There, you know, there's going to be a lot of overhaul in that Tennessee, uh, in that Tennessee uh, club, and you know, ultimately, I think maybe perhaps Mike Vrabel was just a uh, was was an unfortunate casualty to that. Yeah. Although I still. I still think it was ridiculous, though, the fact that he literally got fired because of uh, because the owner didn't like how he was how how he had reacted during the uh, during the bye week. But whatever, I guess. Um, yeah, it's really petty. Then we had the second biggest surprise, uh, NFL wise, with Pete Carroll officially moving out of the yeah. head coaching job. Uh, after 14 years at the helm of the Seattle Seahawks, and instead uh, he will become an advisor uh, to to the club. 
after going 139 and 87 through 14 years, not to mention two Super Bowl appearances and a championship victory back in 2013. And he had originally told reporters that he was that he expected to return next season before literally a day later uh you know holding a press conference saying that he would be stepping down as as head coach of the Seattle Seahawks and <laughs> based off of what I've based off of what I've read this was not his decision he's basically been forced out of Seattle uh, I don't know if I don't know if it's maybe because Seattle wants to go wants to go younger considering he's 72 yeah. years old. Uh, but I mean his resume speaks for itself. You know if 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 you're able to take a to take a team led by Geno Smith into the playoffs, you know you're clearly doing something right as a head coach. And throughout his time in Seattle. He only missed the playoffs four times out of fourteen seasons, and of course, of course, these last two years have been without Russell Wilson. Uh, but I mean, well, he I mean, won the Super Bowl. He's talking about. I think it's, it, it, sorry, but it's a good theme. It's good timing from what you just segued from because uh, it's similar to Vrabel. Now that I think about it, because I mean. Like yeah. non-football owners, the the Blazers owner, she's awful. She's Paul Paul Allen, the big Microsoft. He was a really good owner for the Blazers when they were actually decent professional team, not a laughingstock. Uh, great, passionate, smart owner. He owned the Seahawks, so it's the same situation. When Paul Allen passed, Jody Allen, his sister, who doesn't know, you know, a quarterback from a hole in the wall, like she's clueless with sports. Now she runs, and she just wants to make money. She runs the Blazers and the Seahawks. So apparently there was a falling out between her and Pete Carroll. She really doesn't. Okay, should not, shouldn't be a football. She should not be a football owner. So right, <laughs> unfortunately, and that's why Pete, Pete Carroll is a really gracious, classy guy. You never see him like talking trash. Or, um, he even if you look at the quotes, he's like, "Yeah, it was it was the decision was made by non-football people." That's him kind of taking a swipe at her, walking out the door. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I guess he wanted to get younger with a new coach, but. It's just another poorly run franchise, just like the Titans. Poor ownership. Silly, stupid ownership, I should say. Do you know anything about football? Because both of these teams are owned by girls. (laughs) Well, I mean... There are plenty to to do. These two don't apparently know much, but obviously plenty of women are awesome and know a ton about sports, but these two owners are just kind of like they inherited the ownership through other relatives. I believe yeah, the Titans yeah. did too. I know the Seahawks owner just, you know, woke up one day and said, "Oh, you're no, you're not the owner of the Seahawks." And she's like, "Okay, how can we make money?" <laughs> That's her goal. Mm-hmm. So your head Pete Carroll and her, right? just, Pete, Pete Carroll and her didn't see eye to eye at all. Mm-hmm. And also, it's worth noting as well. You know, uh, this is the same coach who took the 90s Patriots to a couple of uh, playoff appearances as well from 90, uh, in 97 and 98. And, you know, the 90s Patriots before Brady were actually some pretty horrible clubs. They sure were. So, 
you know, the fact that he was able to take the Patriots uh, in the, the three years that he was the uh, Patriots head coach, he was able to take them to two playoff appearances uh, his first two years before finishing at 500 in his final year. And then he took about an 11-year break before going to – actually, he went to uh, USC, I think. He was the uh, – he was the yeah. head coach – for the Trojans, uh, beginning in 2001, I think. <laughs> yep, before the Seahawks, yep. So, Get a really good run there. So, and, and then he goes to Seattle, and in his fourth year with Seattle, he wins the Super Bowl uh, before losing on literally a last-second play uh, in the next year's Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. The uh, the infamous goal line uh, play of choosing <laughs> to throw it instead of run it. That was crazy. That was crazy. You know, and I mean, it, it's just he he's compiled a a 137 win, 89 loss, and one tie uh, record. Uh, along, along with a 10 and nine postseason record with the Seattle Seahawks, you know it's it's kind of surprising that he would be shown the door like this. You know, I mean, obviously he's not he's not on the same level as like Bill Belichick or or whatnot, but you know, I would hope that he would have been able to have gone out on his own terms. And then yeah, that's when but, we get to but but was button heads with a bad owner. They have all the power. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Yes. And that's and, and that's when we get to maybe the biggest surprise of this entire postseason. And that okay. is Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick uh and the New England Patriots mutually agreeing to part ways after 24 seasons at the helm of the New England Patriots. Six Super Bowl titles. And actually, he went to the Super Bowl nine times with New England, losing to the Giants twice and losing to the Philadelphia Eagles. 266 regular season wins, 121 regular season losses, a playoff record of 30 and 12 with New England. And he had a four, now granted, obviously, of course, you know, the post Brady era has been horrible for Belichick. He made the playoffs once uh, with Mac Jones with a, in Mac Jones' first year with a 10 and seven record. Uh, before finishing eight and nine last year, and then finishing off his New England career with a four and thirteen record this year, and then you have to take you have to take into account his NFL coaching tree. You take a look at how many uh, he's worked under six different head coaches. And 20 of his own assistant coaches have become either NFL or NCAA head coaches. Yes, Nick Saban is one of his former assistants. 
back when right. he was with the uh, back when he was with the Cleveland Browns. Now Nick Saban, who also uh, might I add, you know, he ended up retiring from Alabama. That was maybe uh, you know you know how they say all bad things come in threes. First it was Pete Carroll. Then all of a sudden, that very same night, Nick Saban ended up announcing his retirement from uh, from Alabama. That came out of the blue, out of nowhere. And then we have the very next day, Bill Belichick uh, officially announced. It was officially announced that he would be mutually parting ways. Uh, and we'll get to we'll get to Nick Saban in a minute here as well. Uh, but I mean, just taking a look at Belichick's coaching tree. Now. Coaches, coaches like Romeo Cornell, Charlie Weiss, Eric Mangini, Josh McDaniels, Jim Schwartz, Bill O'Brien, Matt Patricia, Brian Flores, Joe Judge, Brett Belima. You name it. There's a whole list of. Uh, of former Patriot coaches yeah. that have mm-hmm. gone on to become either NFL head coaches or NCAA head coaches. Now, here's the thing with Belichick. Mm-hmm. There's, it's very, it's very back and forth as far as to why Belichick was shown the door. A lot of, uh, there, there was one report that basically said he was responsible for driving Brady out of New England, uh, which actually the report, the report came out. Well, Brady Brady left New England because apparently Belichick told Robert Kraft that Brady was quote unquote done, and that yes. he wasn't considered to be a winner anymore. And then of course we saw what happened that very same year. Brady leaves New England. He goes on to win the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. That right there, I believe, was was potentially one of the last final straws with Robert Kraft. Uh, then, because here, here's the thing with Belichick is <laughs> compared to other head coaches, he is, he also acted as the general manager of the New England Patriots. So he wasn't just a head coach, you know. He he was he was he had he he had many hats that he would put on basically when representing the New England Patriots. Might I add as well, he also had the highest paid salary. I think it was like $25 million or something that he gets paid by uh, by Robert Kraft. Uh, heading into this season, it was announced that he had signed a, I think it was like a two-year extension that would cover this season and next season. And ultimately... Obviously, you know, uh, he wanted to bring back Matt Patricia as the offensive coordinator, which 
I mean, yeah, that makes a whole bunch of sense. Matt Patricia is a defensive guy. Might as well put him on the offensive side of the ball and see how he can fuck up the offense. That's pretty good. Robert Kraft pushed back on that, decided to strip away part of Belichick's uh, powers as general manager, and Robert Kraft instead hired Bill O'Brien to come back to New England from uh, Alabama and become New England's new offensive coordinator. This pissed Belichick off to the point of where Belichick would have his own assistant coaches undermine Bill O'Brien and his assistant coaches. Basically, there was a whole bunch of turmoil in the Patriot coaching staff. And actually, not just the Patriot coaching staff, but the Patriot organization as a whole. And the reason was Belichick believed that the Crafts were trying to basically take over what he had built, what he believes he had built over these last 24 years. You know, that the Patriot way was no longer the Patriot way, so to speak. And there's going to be a documentary that's going to come out on Apple TV uh, covering the two Patriot dynasties, and that's something that I'm really looking forward to because I want to see what supposedly it's going to help dive behind the scenes uh, of the Patriots dynasties. And one quote, Really caught my really caught my attention from former wide receiver Danny Amendola, where he mm. said we were we worked for Belichick, but we played for Brady. That right there tells me the players did not give a shit whatsoever about Belichick; they were playing for Brady. And that Brady was what did Bill, the what factor. Did, what did Bill do without Brady? That's, I mean, love it or hate it, yes or wrong, <laughs> yeah, right or wrong, right or wrong. People in in two months and people in twenty years are going to be questioning that. I mean, it all fell apart. I know. I mean, Mac Jones not getting along with some of the players, and Steve, you comment every week about you know now this player is in the doghouse. That player is not suiting up. Oh, he took a long snapper in the third round again. He took a kicker in the draft, like. <clears throat> He kind of did, he did himself in at the end, I think. Art really. He wanted to really, He really, you really went downhill, man. You want to know yeah. my opinion, Alex, on, on how it all went downhill? I mean, obviously, it went downhill with Brady leaving, with Belichick telling Kraft yeah. that Brady didn't have it anymore. But where it really that's went cr- downhill crazy. was after. Yeah. Where it really went downhill and it went and it became unsalvageable was after Josh McDaniels left to become the head coach of the Vegas Raiders. Right. After after Josh McDaniels left, Bill brought in Matt Patricia as a favor to Patricia to help him re to help him rehabilitate his image after having such a poor uh, stint as the head coach of the of the Detroit Lions, and because Detroit fired him, 
they were paying him his remaining salary. So basically he was working with New England without a contract, essentially. Or the contract he was getting was very minimal. So the the Patriots the Patriots basically had him on their staff for free. Wow. And with Josh McDaniels leaving, Bill needed to find a place for Patricia and obviously he, he's not going to give Patricia the defensive coordinator job because that because his son, Steve Belichick, already had that. Uh, and so did Gerard Mayo. Although Gerard Mayo was more known as the – he was more of a linebacker's coach. But he yeah. was also technically the co-defensive coordinator the last two years. So – Belichick then decides, well, hell, I got to give him, I got to, I got to help him, and I got to help Joe, my my buddy Joe Judge, who's gonna, who's coming back to the organization yeah. after, after a failed head coaching stint with the my or with the New York Giants. So, let me do this. Let me make them uh, in charge of the offense. They can decide whatever they want to do between the two of them. Uh. And also, I believe he put Joe Judge back in, uh, back helping with special teams as well. And we've seen how poorly the special teams did this year under uh, Cam Acord, who, by the way, I hope gets fired because, uh, my God, that that may yeah. have been out of all the years that Belichick was head coach. The special teams this year may have been one of the worst uh, units that he has ever fielded on onto a football field. Um. So, yeah, you know, uh, Mac's second year, and he completely falls apart under Matt Patricia. Patricia, And it also also didn't help either. It didn't help either that Belichick (laughs) has been useless when it comes to drafting wide receivers as well. Yeah, and just the – and whenever I talk about him, I feel bad. It's like I don't want you to pick you. I'm going – I'm not trying to go after him and, like, laugh at him. You know, he kicked a lot of people's asses for a lot of years and did awesome things. But, he, he yeah. uh, you know, honestly, he just really – I'm sure I, – I give him the utmost respect overall, overall in the history, you know what I mean? But I was like, he really – the last couple of years, man, absolutely head-scratching. Like, I wasn't surprised at all. I, I, I was like, they're going to be better off the second he leaves because he just was like – his ego – and like you said, you illustrated it perfectly with what you what your commentary just there. Like, you know – insisting that he hires certain people that are totally like Matt Patricia is a defensive coach. And he's like, no, he can run the offense. Like it just became so weird. He was just like making a lot of bad decisions the last couple of years. Like it was long past due to get him out of town. It's just crazy how it ended that way. It was such a glorious run for so many years. Yes. Yeah. And I, I will, I will kind of in somewhat of a defense of him. I will say this. A lot. Some of the uh, the past couple of years of drafting were from Matt Groh, like the like the uh, the drafting of Nikhil Harry over DK Metcalf, or uh, the drafting of Tyquan Thornton. You know, oh. those moves were done by Matt Groh, and in gotcha. particular. Their scouts, their scouts were telling them to pick certain players, 
and Belichick decided, no, I want this guy out of butt, out of butt fuck nowhere instead. She can't like expect. I mean, he just thought he could like outsmart everyone. It's just really the last couple of years, man. It's just like it all went up in flames. You know, you can't like outsmart people. The NFL is a tough league. A lot of uh, so many good teams are getting younger and faster, and you got to change with the times. You know, he, he thought he could just like still win on Sundays without Brady. It, it was so much tougher without him. Right. Belichick's big problem was he thought that Brady that Brady was the product of a system and that as long as the system is still in place, that any quarterback can win with this system as long as they have an elite defense. And I'll say this, you know, uh, Belichick, the defense was still pretty damn good this year. You know, defense, uh, the defensive side isn't isn't the problem. It's the offensive side of the ball. The, the, the offensive side of the field, that's the problem, is that once Brady left, the offense was never the same. You know, you bring in Cam Newton, uh, it's, it, you know, I find it funny, but, uh, you know, Cam Newton was probably, if you have Cam Newton as the quarterback these last couple of years, maybe yeah. perhaps the, the Patriots have a different have a different record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, and just the, and you know, like you said, Steve, I mean, like in, him insisting, like Klein, like, oh, no, we got to stick with Mac Jones. But, you know, Mac Jones just wasn't impressing anyone. He just got really stubborn. Like you said, you just nailed it, I think, for a lot of people. Like, he believed the system was going to be able to perform. No matter who he plugged in, it was, it was going to win in the end. And in the end, it didn't win. It stopped working. You know, it's just it's just come to a point where the NFL has evolved. The NFL has evolved from being a defense wins championships league to an offense wins championships league. You could have a shit defense like Kansas City. But as long as you have a gunslinger, as long as you have a gunslinger who can put the ball anywhere on the field into any receiver's hand, like Patrick Mahomes, you can win championships even with a shit defense. Yeah. And I think it's just I think it's the fact that you know one of the, one of the things that I think may have been a final straw too was when Belichick moved up in the draft this past year to take Chad Ryland out of Maryland, he moved up into the fourth round to take him. And Chad Ryland ends up missing like a third of his kicks this year, a third or maybe more, actually, I should say, of his kicks. And not to mention, they gave away uh, Nick Folk, who was borderline unstoppable for, t- for Tennessee this year whenever he came up to kick. In exchange, in the you know, in exchange for the rookie. He took a kicker in the fourth round. It's like, what are you doing? It's head scratching. I mean, his moves he's making didn't pay off. What's odd, though, is that, you know, it, it just, I kind of feel the same right now. I mean, obviously, you know, I've been spoiled. You know, I, 
I actually was a fan of the Patriots Belichick's first year back in 2000. You know, that was my first time ever watching Patriot football. And then obviously uh, 2001 comes around and, you know, they win the Super Bowl. And then they go on to win the Super Bowl two out of the next three years after that. You know, I obviously I I wasn't around for the '90s uh, teams, right? In New England, uh, but you know, a, a lot of people would say that New England has been spoiled uh, through through the last two decades in all yeah. in all sports when it comes to championships. But Belichick, I mean. You know, obviously, he's going to go down in the record books as one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coach to have ever coached. Uh, obviously, if he ends up getting Don Shula's record, if he get, ends up getting Don Shula's record, which it sounds like uh, he is planning to still coach, and he very easily will be uh, the biggest name on the market, in this free agent market, or in this uh, coaching I already know, market, I already, I already know what I already know what I want him. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Lurie, the Eagles owner, is from New England. He loves uh, he loves him some Belichick. <laughs> I take him. Well, it's you can't draft fun. anyone. You're not allowed to you're not allowed to draft anyone. You can you can be on the sideline. It's funny that you bring up the Eagles. Yeah. Because that's a roster that's a roster ready to win. Bill Belichick, I think, would 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 look at the idea and say, "Yeah, maybe." I mean, they're a damn good roster. They're, not, they're being coached to shit right now, but they're falling apart. But there yeah, are, Belichick, that'd be pretty. That'd be pretty awesome new start with Belichick for, for the Eagles and for Belichick. But it's funny you bring that up, though, because there are candidates for Belichick to go to. In no particular order. Obviously, Washington originally was one, but uh, from all accounts, it sounds like they are not planning on going towards any of the big names. So you can rule out you can rule out Vrabel, you can rule out Belichick, you can rule out uh, Jim Harbaugh uh, for Washington. Tennessee, kind of along the same line, you can rule out Belichick. Carolina, though, I've heard Carolina get brought up. I've heard Atlanta get brought up. Uh, Atlanta in particular, Arthur Blank apparently is prepared to offer a blank check to Belichick in particular. Yeah. So, basically, all Belichick has to do is tell him, tell, 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 me, a, tell me a dollar amount, and I will put it on this check for you. Okay. Um, Arthur Blank. Arthur Blank check. Arthur Blank check. However, I have heard that Belichick is planning on waiting to see what shakes out out of this playoff race. Because there is perhaps one, maybe two teams that may be looking yeah. at a at a coaching change if they exit early. And that is Cowboys Eagles. The Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Two really 
really talented rosters. Two really proud, you know, <laughs> proud teams, good fan, good fan bases. You know, that's the, that. You know, think about it, man. If Bill is set for life with money, yeah. he can get as much money as he wants wherever he goes next. Money's not going to be really in the. No. I don't think it's going to be a big part of his decision. He wants to go somewhere where he can win quickly. He'd rather go to Atlanta, definitely not Washington or those places. But like Atlanta, eh. Dallas, loaded with talent. Philly, loaded with talent. Uh, I think Belichick would prefer one of those. Yeah. Win right away. Win right away. I mean, obviously if, obviously, if one of those places doesn't open up, though, in my opinion, if if say say none of the playoff teams open up uh, any coaching openings. There's only two right. places I see Belichick going. Atlanta, the, you know, they got B. John Robinson, they got Kyle Pitts. Uh, they got Cordero Patterson still, I believe, as well, uh, who who excelled under Belichick when Patterson was with New England. Um, and the L.A. Chargers, which, I mean, you take a look at that roster, you take a look at a young quarterback uh, in Justin Herbert, you know, Belichick would be in heaven with that defense as well uh, in L.A. Some of the big names on that defense. I mean, it's – and also, not to mention, they have a general manager opening too. Where Atlanta doesn't. Yeah, and Philly's like, for better or for worse, their, their general manager is like entrenched in that job. So maybe like, yeah, that, that, I think that could swim because – L.A. could offer him both titles. You can call the shots and draft someone, draft people, and yes. coach. I don't think Dallas or Philly would let him do that. And those, and those, those jobs aren't open. That's interesting. And he wants I all believe, the power. He goes, he goes, he goes to L.A. Too. Yeah, they do. Uh, that's interesting. Nice weather, too, out there. Maybe he goes to L.A. Now, of course, uh, if he goes to L.A. or wherever he goes, I can almost guarantee you that his sons will probably follow him. Uh, Brian Belichick, who is the safeties coach for New England, and uh, Steve Belichick, who is the defensive coordinator, uh, they would they would both likely follow wherever he goes. Unless something random happens and they decide to stay in New England, Um I wouldn't rule out that you may see a couple of, uh, like, basically whoever is going to be on Belichick's staff. This is the one thing with Belichick is he's comfortable with people he has worked with before. So somebody like a Josh McDaniels or a Brian Flores for, or a Matt Patricia, a Joe Judge, you know, right. he's comfortable with people he has worked with before. Now, <laughs> the key difference with New with his last year in New England, like I mentioned before, is he had he was undermining the decisions being made or attempting to be made by offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien. So if you wonder why there was so much dysfunction in the Patriots organization this year, it's because Belichick was basically trying to strong arm the entire coaching staff. 
I just not just la- I'm just after a while like I, if there's got to be a team like Atlanta or like Washington would, but this, no one wants to go there. But like Atlanta would, if they offer him whatever he wants to do or LA. But after, I mean, he's got to sort of take a step back and say maybe it's just good for him to coach. He's being really stubborn, you know. I guess if he only yeah. wants to go somewhere where he can do everything he wants to, and it's always going to be Bill's way. Whatever you want, Bill, you can run every part of the team. Really, it's, that's really what he wants. I guess he can go to a team like that. He's got to dial it back a little bit with his ego, I think. But, but Steve, do you really think being a huge Patriots and Belichick fan, do you think he's going to just like insist on like total power wherever he goes? Because, in my opinion, it's a tough call. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I never really, I never really believed him when he said that he would be willing to relinquish any sort of uh, power in order to stay as Patriots head coach, because that's never the type of, that's never the type of coach that he's been. You know, he always wants, he always takes a hands-on approach with, uh, with, with his coaching and whatever work that he's done. He's always taken a hands-on type of approach. So for him to go out there to the media and basically say that, he would be willing to step back from the general manager position. Uh, you know, that was, if anything, that was posturing. That was basically putting it all on Kraft, uh, daring Kraft to fire him. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Yeah. He wants all the power. Just my opinion. Yeah, I think it's just going to come down to that. I think if he wants to keep all the power, he's, it, you know, a lot of teams love him and want him. Obviously, you know, the total legend. But if he insists on all that power, it's going to, you know what I mean? I don't think the Eagles wouldn't. Uh, the, I don't know if the Cowboys, Lou, do you think the Cowboys would let him, like, control everything if he wanted to be a Cowboy coach? Lou? Uh, who's there? No, Lou, Lou is still. Confused. Yeah. Yeah, what what do you what do you think, Lou? If he had uh if if uh the Cowboys had come calling uh for Belichick, do you think that they would be willing to give him control of the uh to give him control of the general manager spot too, or do you think that it would primarily be as a head coach? I think just primarily as a head coach. I don't see him being a team manager don't matter. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I just uh, from, from what's been reported, it sounds like that maybe the general manager thing wasn't really the backbreaker as it seemed no. like Bill had Bill had apparently been preparing to move on apparently for a couple of seasons already. Yeah. And it just, I don't know, it's its so confusing because, you know, Belichick has always been known to be so secret with anything that yeah. comes out to the media. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden this year, all these stories start getting leaked to the media. Yeah. And it's like, too. okay, this is very... And not just that, but this is the, uh, all these stories were leaked 
to Belichick's guy, uh, Ian Rappaport. Whoever, you know, if there's oh, ever any report that Belichick wants put out there, <laughs> he would give it to Rappaport. Of course. And he can just, so, like, be his mouthpiece. He can, like, feed him whatever he wants to feed him, just give to the public. He's like right. his little henchman. He loves loyalty. So I think what's very surprising, though, is that it seemed like there were more and more reports coming out of New England this year than normal. And I don't know if it's because it had to do with the losing season or maybe Bill was trying to manufacture his exit from New England. But I'll tell you, during the press conference, he damn near sounded like he was about to cry. He said, he, you know, yeah. he looked like he was on the verge of tears, basically, when he was talking about all the years that he spent here, uh, the relationships that he had built and everything. You know, he damn near looked like he was on, he was on the verge of tears during that press mm. conference. A lot of emotions, but, a lot of good memories, and yeah, sure. just a lot of turmoil. Like you're saying, there's a lot of a lot of drama, a lot of act, a lot of stuff behind the yeah, scenes that sure. we might never know about. Yeah, huge power control and a lot of egos in different places, and we might never know all the cultures. It'll be interesting to see how much we learn about no, it, but, you know, in the coming years. Because like you said, Steve, he has brilliant a coach. He's been he's been very. Uh, he, he's always secretive. If it's not the injury report, it's a lot of other things. You know, he likes to keep a lot of things to himself. But that's why I am so interested in this documentary that's going to be coming out uh, from from Apple, from Apple TV. Uh, there's yeah, a documentary that's going to come out that's going to chronicle the two dynasties. And it, they have interviews from many people, including Belichick himself. Uh, they have interviews from Tom Brady, Danny Amendola. Uh, I'm sure they got Gronk. They probably got Julian Edelman, among other names. It'll be very interesting if there's any behind-the-scenes stuff that comes out about that. But uh, I, you know, I, I guess it just—I guess it just really hurts because, you know. It's almost like the winning culture has now been sucked out of New England. You know, yeah. ever since Brady left, and then you know there was the hope that okay, maybe perhaps Belichick, maybe perhaps Belichick can get back to the can get back to the promised land if he can mold a young a young quarterback. Uh, and obviously, we saw how he failed with Mac Jones. Uh, you know, after Mac Jones' first year, his second year was supposed to be a stepping stone after the first year, and instead he ended up falling down. He ended up falling down a cliff that he never got back up from. Ooh, that's gonna be tough. But no, it's it's rare though. I mean, but I mean, you, through the years, some of the best coaches, like you know, Jimmy Johnson, Cowboys, that have fallen out with Jerry Jones, and they they were <laughs> unstoppable. I think they they won I think three titles in a row when he got fired. So it happens, you know. Andy yeah. Reid was like the best, most popular, awesome Eagles coach. Always close, never got it, but like beloved, he got shown the door. I mean, it, it, it looks goes on. So no, you know, time waits for no one. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's just best for a new start. I think. I think it's just tough. 
you know. Yeah. His his ego was so huge. It's just like he didn't want to relinquish some certain duties what and didn't want to have other coaches. You know, it's like I don't know. I think it's just time for a new change. You're still you're you're pretty upset though, Steve, that he had to move on. A little bit, little bit pissed by it. Do you think Belichick can coach someplace else? Of course. Well, yeah, he will be going. He will be going someplace else. But the only question uh, is where he will be going. Any idea where you? Any idea where you can see him going? We've been talking about uh, Eagles, Cowboys, Uh, Falcons. Falcons seem to be the betting odd favorite right now. From what it looks like. So, so Steve, you would have probably liked to see him get another couple of years to turn it around, or at least another year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, it, it just seems very uncharacteristic, like a Belichick, where you know he was. I mean, we've all we've all known Belichick for being stubborn. Yeah. Usually, he's smart. He's smart when it comes to evaluating talent. And it almost seems like, you know, these last couple of years of drafting, it's like, what the fuck are you doing, Bill? I mean, yeah, you drafted a couple of studs, but at the same time, you know, you've drafted guys that, okay, you draft guys, and then you don't even give them a chance to to show that they uh, that they deserve to be out there on the field. Like, for example, I'll give you the, the most recent example. Uh, Demario Douglas, you know, he had a bad first game where he ended up dropping – or no, 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 not Demario Douglas. Uh, well, yeah, okay, Demario Douglas and also Kayshawn Boutte. Uh, Boutte had a drop, which which would have been a touchdown. It would have been, it would have been a touchdown in the game against Philadelphia, but his feet were out of bounds, or one of his feet were out of bounds. And – Belichick then benched him. Instead of playing him, uh, he then benched him for basically the rest of the season until he was forced to use him due to injury. He did that to several people. He did that to several people. Yeah. He's like a bitter, thorny, abrasive, hard to get along with. I mean, look what Edelman said. I don't know, man. Look at what Edelman said. I, without Brady, man, like the magic was kind of gone. I, I think they're, I think they're going to be better off without him. Start over. I mean, he also can be he good. also benched uh, he also mm-hmm. benched Kendrick Bourne. Where you know Kendrick yeah. Bourne was supposed to be uh, Kendrick Bourne was very easily the number one wide receiver for the Patriots the last couple of years, and he ended up benching Bourne for no reason whatsoever. Uh, okay. Oh yeah, not to mention uh in the off season last year. In the off season, he gives the exact same contract that Jacoby Myers got from Vegas. He offered that same exact deal to Juju Smith Schuster instead of Jacoby Myers. Awful. And the reason be and the reason being because it was to send a message to Mac Jones. <laughs> Good message. It was basically, well, not that, not that Mac Jones isn't, isn't Brady, 
but it was to basically send a message that this is my team. This isn't your team. This is my team. I do what I want. He was acting like a dick and, the last couple of years. Let's, let's kick it for what yeah. it is. I mean, look at all these different examples, dude. Headbutting, pissing off players, benching players, drafting people that everyone was shaking their heads going, what are you doing, Bill? Yeah. Oh, let's let the defensive guy oh. run the plays. So he was like, it was, it, it was, it was becoming a mockery if you look at all those examples, man. I mean, yeah. well, I, mean I don't know what he's trying to do. It just hurts. Yeah, no, it it's a bad hurts. ending. It's a bad and ending. It hurts as a New England fan because you take a look at that resume. Eight-time Super Bowl champion. Okay, yeah, two of them. Two of them were uh, were as an assistant coach, but uh, with the Patriots, a six-time Super Bowl champion. Three-time coach of the year. He was part of the all-decade teams of the 2000s and the 2010s of the NFL. He was part of the NFL's 100th anniversary all-time team. He was part of the all-2000s, all-2010s, the 50th anniversary, and the all-dynasty team, all of the New England Patriots. He was also named yeah. executive of the year back in 2021. He holds many NFL records, including most Super Bowl wins, most Super Bowl wins as a head coach, most Ooh. Super Bowl appearances with 12, most Super Bowl appearances as a head coach with nine, most playoff wins as a head coach with 31, most playoff appearances as a head coach. He's now tied. I don't know who he's tied with, but he is tied with 19. Mm-hmm. And most divisional championships won as a head coach with 17. I mean, the record just speaks for itself. And he's only, I think he needs like 13 wins to pass Don Shula all time. Yes. I mean, it's. I don't know how much of that is Brady. Uh, maybe I'm trying to say that. It was all. It's all. It was all with Brady. So I don't know. A lot of yeah. pundits, a lot of critics will say, you know what? Yeah, he's awesome. But damn, that, that was a, like that was a good pairing. Like, what's Phil Jackson without Michael and Scott? <laughs> you know, it's like awesome coach. I don't know. It's just the last couple of years, man. He just wasn't. He was just becoming delusional. Like he could just do whatever he wanted and still win, and it just totally did not work. Uh, so I don't know if he's going to do that wherever he goes next. I don't know. It just he he just it's hard to he, like you said, man. I can only imagine being a Patriots fan. It was like just weird. It was confusing to watch. He became and so I think stubborn. That's what hurts? Yeah, I think that's yeah. what hurts the most is because Belichick. You know, he's always been attached to Brady for so long, and then. All of a sudden, the report comes out that he is responsible for Brady leaving. That sucks. And then, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is the same guy. This is the same guy who uh, who released uh, Albert Hainsworth from his deal in the middle of the fucking playoffs because he showed up <laughs> late to practice. He's ruthless. He would cut and bench people left and right, which I can I like that. Like he was a hard ass. He was a tough dude. He, he is a tough coach. He doesn't put put up with BS. Uh, I got a lot of respect for him. Same guy who benched Malcolm Butler. 
This is the same guy who benched Malcolm Butler for the uh, for the Super Bowl that they lost to the Eagles. Yeah, I remember that. When yeah. Brady, wow. When Brady went nuclear, putting up 500 passing yards. Yep. I mean, it's just it's almost it's almost like he should have retired when they won their last Super Bowl. You it's know, so hard it's, to like, it's, yeah. It's hard yeah. to see him not go out on top, basically. I guess that's that's yeah, the that's, big thing as a Patriot fan that it's that it's so hard to wrap our head around as a Patriot fan that you know the lasting image of Brady was him walking off the field after losing in the in the wild card game to Mike Brable and the Tennessee Titans back in 2019. And then, yeah. now the lasting image that Patriot fans will have of Bill Belichick is him walking off the field uh, with full with the Darth Vader hoodie and everything, uh, lo- literally looking like Darth Vader, uh, with the hoodie, and you know, walking in a, after a seventeen to three embarrassment of a loss to the New York Jets, um, in a snow-filled weather type of game, who hadn't beaten them in ages. I don't have like the stats, but there were some running. You, you, you might know it too. They had, like they were the Jets had that circled on their calendar. They wanted to finally beat him, and then boom, that turned out to be the end of his coaching tenure in New England. Yeah, yeah. Rocky, I mean, you know, rough just, it, it, it just, I think that's ultimately what hurts. What hurts New England fans so much is the fact that, uh, and and you know, okay, here here's what hurts though. Really, is that they then hired yeah. Gerard Mayo, literally a day after yeah. Belichick uh, stepped down. They hire Gerard Mayo, and I know what people people are thinking. Well, what about the Rooney Rule? Well, Gerard Mayo, when he signed his deal to, to stay in New England last year, he signed a deal, and there was a clause in it called the Succession Clause, which basically what that means is, as long as he was going to be the one to replace Belichick. The Patriots, and the Patriots got this approved by the NFL, uh, the Patriots would not have to go through the Rooney Rule, which basically the Rooney Rule uh, was put into effect in order to give uh, minority uh, prospective head coaches more of an opportunity. So under the Rooney Rule, every team, when interviewing for a head coach, has to interview at least two minority people outside of the organization. Yes. But because this clause was in Mayo's contract, the Patriots could then hire Mayo like it was nothing. They wouldn't have right. to go through the Rooney rule or anything. And hmm. I think, and you know, Mayo is seen as a, as a, a player's type of coach. You know, he is responsible for a, a lot of a lot of 
members of the New England defense have come out in support of him this year and have said that he is responsible for keeping that defense interested in the remaining games of this past season where the games were basically meaningless. But he was the one who kept that defense interested and thus kept the Patriots in those games. So he's clearly respected around, you know, he's, he's respected by the team. He is respected around the league because he was in consideration for quite a few head coaching opportunities last year. But, uh, and chances are he probably would have gotten one of those opportunities, but the Patriots gave him basically the Josh McDaniels contract, which if anybody remembers Josh McDaniels, when he was once, uh, about to be named the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, only right, to, the, right. to then leave the Colts on the altar, to leave the Colts at the altar, and instead come back to uh, New England to stay as their the offensive the coordinator. And then, and then without Brady, the guy's got fired twice mid-season. <laughs> sucked in Denver, sucked, sucked as the Raiders coach. I, I don't know about McDaniel. God. He's a Brady Belichick beneficiary or whatever you want to call it. He's good with them. Uh, it isn't shown otherwise. I still stand by this though. If he had never taken that Raiders job and he had stayed with he had stayed with Mac oh. Jones, I don't think Mac Jones takes that step back that he did this no, job, that he did uh, under Patricia. Yeah, I agree there. I mean. I mean, Mac Jones, that's another thing, See, I mean, they totally mishandled that. They, they ruined the guy's, the guy's mind. <laughs> you're not good enough. You're benched. You are good enough. We're doing this. We're not doing that. He was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> and I have no weapons to throw to Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just cluster with that, You know what? Yeah, but with that being said, though, you know, Gerard Mayo – I mean, he has a pretty similar resume compared to D'Amico Ryan. Uh, who is the head coach of the Houston Texans. Uh, player, Gerard Mayo was the number 10 pick in the 2008 draft, where he was drafted by New England. He played eight seasons with the, with the Patriots, winning uh, Super Bowl 49 with them uh, against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. He was a former defensive rookie of the year, a former first-team All-Pro as well, uh, a two-time Pro Bowler. Uh, he was part of the All-Rookie Team of 2008, uh, as, well, as well as he was named to the All-2010 Team of the Patriots as well. <coughs> and he also led the league in tackles back in 2010. Now, you compare that to D'Amico Ryan. Oh, I forgot to add as well. Uh, Shortly after he retired, he then became an inside linebackers coach for the Patriots, uh, a title which he's held for the last four or five years. Uh, and he was also a co-defensive coordinator as well. Um, then you bring in D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans was a second-round pick in 2006 for the, for the Houston Texans. Uh, he played 
around eight, nine years in the league with the Texans and the Philadelphia Eagles uh, before becoming a defensive quality control coach and eventually a linebackers coach and defensive coordinator with the San Francisco 49ers uh, before becoming the head coach of the Houston Texans. He was the defensive rookie of the year in 2006, uh, a two-time pro bowler. He was a first-team all-pro back in 2007. Uh, He was named to the all-rookie team of 2006 as well. Uh, He was also named assistant coach of the year back in 2022, which is something that Gerard Mayo doesn't have. But Mm -hmm. uh, mostly for the most part, uh, their stats, not just as players, but also as coaches, are kind of are kind of similar, and they're also both former SEC players too. Uh, Mayo played for Tennessee, and uh, Ryan's played for Alabama. So, you know, it's almost pretty similar uh, records. Uh, or resumes that these two that these two guys have, uh, and also it's been mentioned as well that Gerard Mayo, because he's been hired, uh, there's one upcoming there's at least one upcoming Patriots free agent uh, who has mentioned that returning to the Patriots has now become their priority because of the hiring of Gerard Mayo. Now, chances are it's probably a member of the defense, but uh, you know, I think I think it kind of means something if if somebody's wanting to come back to the team because of a certain guy getting the coaching, getting the head coaching spot, and there's also been talk as well that uh, he has already gotten to work. Uh, on trying to put together, you know, trying to find a general manager, which is odd because normally teams, when they search for, when they, when they do the, uh, you know, when they go for a new head coach and a new GM, usually they get the GM first before they get the head coach. So, I mean, let's, Let's start with you, Alex. Uh, what are your thoughts on the hiring of Gerard Mayo? How do you think? Do you think that it will be just Belichick 2.0, or do you no, think that start. maybe he may bring something different? Totally different. Younger players, coach, more uh, more open-minded. He'll give the uh, power and the, the voice to other coaches to, to run their side of the ball. Someone else will be able to call plays. Damn sure some, someone will just focus on the draft and not focus on trying to outwit people and drafting people who don't perform like Bill did, you know, in the, in the recent years. I think it could help them in different areas for the Patriots. Uh, and, you know, he was handpicked for – I know you made some good points that he – you might have wanted more people interviewed, but, you know, they had him in mind for a good reason, I'm sure. Pass is a very smart owner, smart businessman. So he's been waiting, you know, kind of waiting in the wings. So they gave him the keys. to the. I mean, I think he's, he could be a really good coach. No better time to find out than now. So, you know, 
they just it wasn't working anymore with Bill. It's time for a change. All good things must come to an end eventually. So it's it's Mayo's time. So I think yeah, I think that, they have to get a quarterback. You know, they have to do well in the draft and just you know start building, start building it. Got to start with a good quarterback. And not though. just that. But yeah, I think I think Mayo's not got just that, that. I think Mayo's well, got the upside though. Yeah. Not just that, but uh, but also Kraft uh, was actually a fan. You know. Usually, usually owners, you know, most of the time they're just businessmen, you know, uh, you know, bi- businessmen who just look at it as another asset, like uh, John Henry over there with the Boston Red Sox. But Robert Kraft was actually a fan of the Patriots. He's a former season ticket holder. You know, he was a former season ticket holder in the 70s. Yeah, uh, he's not messing around, man. He's gonna get. He, he, I'm sh- I'm sure Mayo is yeah. a really good. He definitely sounds qualified. He's a leader of guys and was a hell of a player. I mean, that's not messing around. Just like you know, hooking a buddy up with a job. He knows this is a huge deal, especially to fall to fill the shoes of, and fall in the footsteps of a legend in Belichick. So, yeah, he doesn't want to mess that up and look like an idiot. So, Kraft, I'm sure, is on to a good idea and really feels confident. You know, otherwise they would have interviewed three or four or five or. Six they would have interviewed other people or waited to see who was available. They, they, they picked Mayo right away, and I'm sure Kraft has several good reasons. You know, he made a quick decision. He made, really likes Mayo. Let's see what he can do. Right. Well, yeah. uh, what, what are your thoughts, Lou, on the, uh, on the removal of Bill Belichick and then the Patriots deciding to go with Gerard Mayo as uh, Belichick's replacement? Yeah, I mean, the, it's the rise and fall of the, of the Patriots. I mean, you know, before, while Brady was there, they were the most dominant team, and then all of a sudden Brady leaves, and then they fall and they drop like a rock, just like before, you know, uh, the 2000s game. So I can't imagine, you know, Mayo um, doing any worse. But, you know, he's never going to – I don't think he's going to live the legacy of, of course, of, of Belichick, you know. But – you know, at least, you know, you have to deal with the Rooney rule because, you know, that, that's kind of like a rule that you know, I just didn't really, I didn't really believe, uh, believe much in. So at least they got, got rid of that. But I think it's, I think it'll be uh, down the road to be more of a positive move for the Patriots and maybe again back on the winning track. I mean, because they haven't made the playoffs now in what, uh, three of the last uh, four years. So a change needed, yeah. a change actually to come. And uh, maybe Mayo uh, can bring them back to where uh, they once were. Provided they can get a quarterback, because uh, certainly uh, Mac Jones is not doing the job. Oof. Yeah, I mean, here's the, here's the thing, Patriot. I mean, obviously every every team wants to make it to the Super Bowl, but Patriot right. fans at this point, we're we're not. You know, obviously we know that uh, you know we don't have Brady anymore, so Super Bowl isn't really. Uh, isn't really high up on the – I mean, of course, it's high up on the list of priorities, but it's not like, uh, you know, if – it's not like, oh, if we make it to – if we don't make it to the Super Bowl, it's an automatic failure of the season. We just want to get back to – we just want to get back to being a contending team. Right. I mean, hell – yeah, you know, not I'm making sure, the Super Bowl sure every year is not a failure season. It really is. I mean, the whole time, oh, we got to be Super Bowl or bust or our season's a failure. Is it really? I mean, because, you know, you're not going to be winning the Super Bowl every year. And, you know, 
if you do win, it's going to be awful tough to repeat. But that does not mean your season right. is a failure. Come on, people. Right. And also, I mean, I guarantee you, you know, right now uh, Miami's getting their asses whipped 26 to 7. Yeah. I guarantee you most I guarantee you most <laughs> no pa- most play. Patriots fans would love to have that Miami roster right now. Yeah, think? Absolutely. Speed, young weapons, yeah. Excitement. It's a different game, like you said, Steve. Someone's like plotting. So, you know, Bill knew how to coach defense, but you need to be able to have offensive firepower. Yeah, so I mean if you yeah. if you have a team if you if if you have a team that is gonna have the third highest uh salary cap space this off season and not to mention you'll also have the third overall pick. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want I was gonna say I don't want Bill Belichick making that pick, but uh right. I mean let's be let's be honest, a couple of times uh, a couple of the last drafts, the pick has been made by Matt Groh, uh of the director of player personnel. Um, well, you know, I just <laughs> if if there was any time for a fresh for a fresh start, this would be the time. Yeah. Essentially, everyone should now, be. Hightower Brian brought in, but, like, the coaches, anyone, Bill's guys, it's been great. See you later. you got to start over. You can't have, still have, like, left, you know, leftovers or remnants of Bill. you got to just have a brand-new face of the franchise. Let Mayo, yeah. let, Mayo, let Mayo and Kraft decide who they're bringing in. Uh, but I wouldn't keep, like, you know what I mean? Like, they, uh, let Mayo, really, the head coach, he's, he's new. You know, he, he should be able to bring in his guys. Got to get an offensive uh, coordinator. Really good one. Uh, do, do they have a good plan yet for that, Steve? Do you think? Well, it sounds like it sounds like Josh McDaniels. And the big problem is that uh, the uh, Robert Kraft is basically the same thing as Belichick, where he doesn't want people that have been on the outside of the organization to be in charge of the organization. So yeah. if it's if you're looking for an offensive coordinator, you're going to be looking for somebody who's already been with the organization before. Somebody like a like a Joe Judge, like a uh Jesus. He's you know, awesome. Um you know, like like a, like a Josh McDaniels, like a Charlie Weiss. Just for example, but why? I mean, I don't. But with if Belichick's gone, why do they? Why do they still have to have these old guys come back again? Like, don't don't they want to just start like bringing his own staff? Or they still want like well, Belichick shadows because the ghost the ghost of Belichick would still be hanging around. Like I don't know, start over. Well, yeah, it's actually actually we don't. The thing is, we don't know if Mayo is even in charge of his own staff or if it'll be Kraft oh, okay. making the uh, decision. So, gotcha. That's interesting. Uh, but one thing I have, one name I have heard though, is Dante Hightower, former New England Patriot, and apparently. Uh, Mayo had expressed interest in potentially bringing him on board, whichever team uh, he would potentially get a head coaching role with. 
So with obviously Mayo being promoted, that leaves the linebacker coach position open. Don't be surprised if if we see Super Bowl champion and former New England Patriot Dante Hightower get that job. Mm. Another name that has been floated around uh, for the offensive coordinator potentially the current wide receiver coach of the Miami Dolphins, Wes Welker. Oh. For offensive coordinator? For offensive coordinator. Jesus. So you could bring in Edelman That's to be a uh, linebacker coach? <laughs> I mean, what? That's like all the old guys just hanging out. Like, give them a headset. I mean, yeah. So Kraft just wants like these names like that ten years ago were like scoring touchdowns to be I, I don't know. Well to be fair You can't do better than Edelman fair, Edelman is a coordinator to be or Welker. To be fair though to be fair though, Wes, Wes Welker has actually been a coach the last couple of years. Okay. I just don't know if Mayo and Welker running like offense and the head coach at like all, the, all like all former player staff. I've never seen that happen. But if Kraft wants to do that, it's it's an idea. I, I would well, I think, more, you know, I think their whole thing proven coordinator. Their whole I think their whole thing with uh with how they seemingly kind of lost the players this year because, uh, I mean yeah. anybody anybody remembers seeing Trent Brown Walking around like he was like he was naked out there on the field, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. he had no idea where he was. Uh, that Dude, was basically is. Trent Brown. That was basically Trent Brown being checked out, essentially. That uh, that he had that the coaches had lost their ear, had lost his ear. Yeah. So. I think maybe maybe if they maybe they might feel that bringing in former players who may happen to be coaches, uh, you know that maybe having somebody who's actually been out there on the field and has actually played the game before could help things. Like uh, just for example, Sam Cassell with the Boston Celtics. You know, he's been a widely praised uh, assistant coach for years in the NBA after retiring as a player back in 2008. You know, and one of the – he's been very helpful with players because he actually, you know, has played the game. He actually understands what certain Mm -hmm. players go through. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to knock it. I just, I, I just think maybe, especially with like a new, uh, you know, guy who's never been a head coach to you. That's that's probably what I was trying to say in a better way. That I think you should surround him with like really experienced coaches to help him. That's what I'm saying. To go like all former players no, like, together that are all young. You know, I mean, you got to have some like older, like really battle tested guys that have that have really you know done it at that pro level as coaches. You know, like, to have all like former players, it's a little bit like. That's a little bit, I don't know, risky. I agree. And I will say, though, I, I will say that is where Josh McDaniels potentially comes into uh, comes into play. 
Because he has been, yeah. uh, he he was there. He was there for the New York Jets game uh, at Foxborough. He was there oh, okay. for Bill Belichick's retirement. He was there for Bill, or not retirement, uh, but he was there for the press conference with Belichick and Kraft this past week. So, I have a feeling have that Kraft is trying <laughs> to get him back in. Did he have the visor on at the press conference? Uh, no. No, Belichick actually has to do it or not. No, no, I'm saying, no, uh, uh, McDaniels, if he was there. Like a tie with a oh, visor no. on. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. You know, he wasn't really, <clears throat> you couldn't really see him, but uh, the media claimed that he was there. Gotcha. That's interesting. Yeah, maybe he's coming back. If the media say he was there, he was there. Yeah, he was in the building. So I, I think the fact he that he, the fact that he was there, the <laughs> fact that he was there for that, and also that he was there for the Jets game, you know, I think that may, maybe perhaps there is a little bit of talk of of him potentially coming back. Yeah, interesting. Which I mean, to be fair, with a new with a new quarterback potentially coming in, depending on what the Patriots decide to do with the number three pick. You know that would actually having McDan- having him work under McDaniel's would actually be a pretty smart idea because we saw what McDaniel's did with uh, with Mac Jones and Mac Jones' first year he turned Mac Jones into a Pro Bowler, but obviously, of course, we saw what happened after McDaniel's left and what happened to Mac Jones afterwards. So <laughs> after he left, they, they mentally terrorized him into a shell of his former self. So yeah, they know, need I, a, I mean, maybe they know, could use some- just, right. You know, maybe they maybe they could potentially use McDaniel's, and you know, you could argue that uh, Brady's best years came under McDaniels as the offensive coordinator. Right. So, although I will I will yeah. say though, uh his his best uh his best uh statistical year with the Patriots came under Bill O'Brien, so where he had like 50 touchdowns that one year. But anyways, uh, we go from, uh, you know, obviously there's still going to be a lot of questions surrounding Belichick, where he's going to go, what the Patriots are going to do, uh, you know, in his absence. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, there's there's talk that they may, uh, they may hold off on getting a general manager until after the draft, which I think is fucking idiotic. Why would you yeah. go into a draft and not have a wow. general manager in place? You can, I don't even. Have, why would they do that? Who's deciding that? You have to have someone ready to run the draft. Kraft uh, is is deciding that. He's taking the Jerry Jones thing to another level. He's like running the actual draft. Wow. 
Travis I mean, Maddox, that, come on. He's got to hire right someone. There, that right there scares me. Jeez. Yeah. Have an owner running, running the draft. I know Jerry Jones didn't do that, do that. hasn't done that, but I'm just, I'm just joking around. But, I, you know, Jones has been known to, like, kind of meddle and, like, try to control everything. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, having an owner run the draft is pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, but we go – uh, we go from that over to maybe perhaps the best, maybe perhaps the be- the best uh, coach in uh, in college football, Nick Saban. After six national titles with Alabama. And losing in overtime to Michigan this year, all of a sudden, uh, like literally hours after Pete Carroll uh, was announced as basically, uh, you know, he was going to be stepping down as the Seahawks coach. Now, all of a sudden, Nick Saban basically set the entire world of football on fire by yeah. announcing that he would be reti- that he would be retiring as head coach of the Crimson Tide. And I got to tell you, you know, the, the after his announcement, there were quite a few players that were that were starting to hit the uh transfer portal. Yeah. Going out of Alabama. Uh, in particular, they, you know, they weren't players that were already on the team, but they were a commitment, basically. But, I mean, you take a look at, you know, you want to talk about Bill Belichick potentially being the greatest of all time in the, in the NFL. Take a look at Nick Saban in college. Seven national titles, 11 SEC titles, one MAC title back in 1990, uh, a 12-time SEC Western Division champion. He's won Coach of the Year twice. Uh, The Paul Bear Bryant Award, uh, he won twice in college. Uh, he's all, I mean, there, there's a, a multitude of awards that he's won throughout his coaching career. Five-time SEC yeah. Coach of the Year. Uh, I mean, my God, he won so many Coach of the Year awards in 2008. I mean, he finishes his college coaching career with a, with a record of 292, 71, and 1 and a majority of those coming with Alabama, including a 19-12 and 12 bowl record and a tournament record of 9-5 and five, uh, with the college football playoff. And you know how, how uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of people have said that Belichick instituted uh, the Patriot way in New England and, you know, the whole do-your-job philosophy. 
Uh, Bill Belichick is actually real good friends with Nick Saban. And, I mean, you know, obviously Nick Saban was part of his uh, – was was one of his assistant one of his assistant coaches with uh, with Cleveland back in the NFL. Uh, you know, a lot of people would say that Nick Saban was really responsible for all of the success, all the sustained success that Alabama had seen the last sixteen seventeen years. All right, well, what are your thoughts uh, first, Alex, on Nick Saban out of nowhere basically announcing that he was uh, that he was leaving uh, or that that he would be retiring? Yeah, I mean, no one saw it coming, but his father time is undefeated. Maybe, you know, he's in his 70s, so maybe he had been talking about it with his family and thought it was a good time. I know there, there's, they've, they, they, you know, obviously everyone and their brother already knows that they've, they've lost their chokehold on like the, the title every year. They're not, they're not the, the total dominating every year. You know, every single year, Bama was number one or number two. There's more, there's more really good teams now in the college landscape. So I don't know if that played into it with the, and the transfer portal getting crazy. Maybe since he's not from that generation. I know that's probably annoying a lot of some of the coaches because, you know, the rosters are changing so much. So it's a lot harder for Alabama to just be loaded with 40 or 50 awesome players now. They, they still get great players, but you know what I mean? There's a lot more parity. There's a lot more good teams in college football. So maybe that played into it. Um, but, yeah, I just think maybe, you know, maybe he just had it set that he wanted to retire soon and just just push the button and called it a day. I know that's, I mean, it's such a great job, it's, but, you know, after a while, you know, can't coach forever in so many words. That's what I'm trying to say. So maybe there's something going on. Maybe he just wanted to step away. Maybe his wife convinced him or his grandkids or, you know, there's a lot more. We, sometimes we don't learn about, you know, until further down the road. But, yeah, I mean, incredible right. legacy. Best, you know, best resume for college coaches that, I, that I'm aware of. So props to him. Yeah, and you know there was a question that maybe perhaps he would want to try. He would want to have one more go at the NFL, uh, but from what it looks like, it looks like that uh, that that's not the case. And uh, unless he decides to randomly come back uh, as a member of Bill Belichick's uh, next uh, next coaching staff, um, <laughs> that'd be fun. That'd be cool to see. Right, sure. You know, TV. I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule it out because you could say that the timing was pretty suspicious. The timing is pretty huh. suspicious of him announcing that, and then literally the very next day, Belichick uh, announces uh, it's announced that they're mute, that he's mutually parting ways uh, with the Patriots. Hmm. That would be a real curveball. I mean, that would be. Must be TV. That would be a, a good reality show every Sunday. To have those two on a coaching staff in the NFL would be pretty pretty remarkable. 
it is worth noting as well. It is worth noting as well that uh, Belichick, or I mean Robert Kraft, originally wanted uh, that night to announce the Belichick news, but Belichick knew about Saban's uh, retirement, and he decided to allow Saban uh, to have the night for himself, and thus decided uh, he, you know, he told Kraft. No, we'll wait until until the next morning uh, to make our announcement. Huh. So, Bel- you know, Belichick knew ahead of time. You know, it, it still it still makes me wonder. It st- it still does make me wonder if maybe perhaps. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised, Lou. I wasn't surprised that he retired. You know, after the loss or whatnot, and you know, just you know. Just really getting into the playoffs, I think he figured, well, if I don't win this, you know, I'm done. After all that bitching he did last year about getting snubbed of, of last year, then he's had to come in this year, and you know, thinking that uh, that maybe they got gypped uh, in this year's this year's final, he thought, well, you know, since I'm not gonna win here, that's it. I'm just gonna call quits. I think you know, Phil's telling him, either I win. Or I'm out, and I think I think it, I think the loss triggered it off because uh, he, well, he wasn't too happy the loss happened. He wasn't too happy. He was like, "I'm out of here. Goodbye." Well, good riddance. So you think you think that if Alabama had beaten Michigan, that Nick Saban would be back? Hell yeah. Huh. I mean, I'm not. I'm not so sure. You know, considering he's pretty much around the same year, around the same age as Belichick, I think they're separated by like a year. Um, that could have been more of like a perfect way for him to go out there. Though. I'm not saying you're wrong, but it's just weird. It's weird timing. I think maybe it's health related. Hopefully not. Obviously, but well, that's you know. Exactly too, you know. I don't know. It was odd for him to just walk away. It's like, it's like, hopefully it's not. Yeah, obviously, hopefully it's not. But, you know, yeah, he's up there. I don't know. The college football has changed a lot. It's tougher for them to always get to the finals now. Can't wake up and be, uh, you know, in the championship game anymore for Alabama, always getting the votes. Right. And there is no fountain of youth. Mm-hmm. As far as we know. I like the fact that the Washington coach right away got named, though. Because, I mean, I he, he brought that program all the way that. to the – the Washington coach brought that program all the way to the championship. He, he's obviously worthy of a real big-time program now. So that was cool that he immediately got the job, I thought. Yeah, DeBoer. Uh, DeBoer ended up, uh, ended up grabbing the Alabama job. Although, you know, it's weird. A lot of people thought that it was going to go to Dabo Swinney. A lot of people oh, thought yeah. that Dabo Swinney would uh, would ultimately get the would ultimately get the Alabama job. So for it to go, uh, you know, for Kalen DeBoer to to snatch it to to you know get in there and snatch up the uh, job, it was kind of surprising to some people, in particular to his uh, to his Washington players. None of his players knew that this was even in the works. Wow. Well, I don't know if there was rumblings before the championship. Obviously, it's, it's a really good thing that they didn't know about that. 
that would have really been unfair to them if heading into that game if they knew their coach was out the door. So, right. Yeah. Even if it's going to happen, you don't want them to know until you have to let them know. I guess four. So, I mean, they were completely blindsided by it, uh, the players in particular. And uh, immediately after that was announced, they had, I think it was like four or five players hit the transfer portal. Uh, it sucks for, uh, for, for them. Washington. It sucks for them, but it's just like, it is like the job. You know, one of the penultimate jobs in, in college sports. In, in sports in general, Obviously. like the Alabama job, you know, it's like, sorry guys. It's, it's, it's really tough for the students, for the fans, for the alumni of Washington. But you know, when you get a chance to take over Bama, it's like, sorry guys, but I'm going to, I'm going to Bama. Can't really fault the guy for doing it. Yeah, no, no. I mean, that's big it's money. Not. Yeah. And just a chance to be, I no, mean, that. just think about how much easier, how much easier it is to, to be dominant, like recruiting. Yeah, he's also losing Michael Penix, that's the best player Washington's had in a long time. So it's like, you know, now he gets those those recruits. Most of the times, they're going straight to Bama. They're not they're not really thinking about being a Washington Husky. So he's gonna win more games there, long term for sure. I would think. You know, you know. Speaking of which, let's talk about Michael Penix because yeah, huge letdown. Huge letdown. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about you, but it. You know, I wasn't really impressed at all with what I saw in the uh, in the national title game. You know, neither was that. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's because you know it was the bright lights and whatnot. But it, it sort of seemed like some of his decision making was, dare I say, Mac Jones esque. Yes. Yeah, he really underwhelmed. I was. So uh, pumped up. I was oh, panic for Heisman all, all year, and then I was really following them a lot. They were a fun team to watch because I like their underdog. But uh, yeah, he definitely underperforms. It was weird. He, he missed the guy I mentioned on loose there, but you guys saw it. He just missed some really easy passes. He can't, you can't do that in a championship game. There's just no excuse. Yeah, wide open, wide open with what would have been a t- it would have been an easy touchdown. Yeah, stupid. And completely blew it. Yeah, it's like, you know, plays a good quarterback makes. Plays the top, you know, top ten pick has to would always make in their sleep. There's a real real letdown in a big spot. Thank you. Yeah, I mean it was I I, so I'm still, I, I, was, I, I was still surprised. I was still surprised watching it, you know, uh you know, it kind of it kind of makes sense though, because they had they had him ranked as a late first round pick, maybe fringe early second round pick. And I think I think that performance in uh the national title game kinda confirms that. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's gonna be around and, and, and you know, JJ McCarthy wasn't any better, you know, with him being JJ McCarthy well, that was basically the epitome of of being a game manager type of quarterback. You know, he's not somebody yeah. who's going to overly impress uh, with his throws. He's basically there just to manage the game, essentially. Right. You know, I just thought of, since we were talking about the Falcons before, with like Belichick or whoever, with all those weapons, they just need a quarterback. Panics will drop out of the top five or whatever now. 
A team like that might take him first round stuff. But yeah, he's, his draft stock overall has been hurt because that was a, that was a just a pardon my Latin, just a shit performance. I thought it was French. <laughs> France. Says, yeah, it's pardon my. I, I mean, it, it, yeah, that was not a not, very, a not a not a not a pretty not a pretty effort out there that that game. I mean, it, it, there was just there was a lot more that could have been. I mean, hell, you know, Michigan. Their two top, uh, you know, their, their two top running backs had over 200 yards combined before the four, before the first quarter was even over. You know, it just and just like look at those rosters. Like you want, you know, that's the Huskies coach going to Bama. Like imagine that's the best. That's the top of the map yeah. for Washington. They graduate Penix. They graduate. They lose two of those two uh, receivers that are going to the NFL. But I was Washington going to be the only team next year. Whereas Bama can just reload every year with NFL players. With right. the recruiting difference. That's just a huge and difference DeBauer, right there in the two programs. Yeah, DeBoer leaves Washington with a 2-0 and bowl record, winning the Alamo Bowl and winning the Sugar Bowl. Uh, also with a 25-3 and record total. Uh, eleven and two last year, fourteen and one this year. Um, but you know, still, it just. Uh, I mean, you can't you can't really blame him. You can't you can't really blame him at all for uh, for having ooh. Oh, this is interesting. Yeah, Jalen Milrow. Wait a minute. Hang on. I got to see if this is legitimate. Uh-huh. Did you transfer? Uh, but, uh, Alabama, uh, Alabama wide receiver Isaiah Bond uh, had entered the, the portal after Nick Saban retired. But let me double check on... There is a rumor, according to USA Today, Jalen Milrow has entered the transfer portal. <laughs> getting ridiculous, though. It's ridiculous. More I don't know than, uh, if this is like running, running franchise mode in, like, Madden or NCA. Like, everyone likes trading, trading teams and programs every minute now. The transfer portal is out no, of control. Not, it sounds... It sounds like this might be false, though. It sounds like this might have been from a fake. Uh, it sounds like this might have been from a fake account. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Uh... Watch him go to Washington. Oh yeah, no. He says he's. St- no, he's. St- he says wow. he's staying. So that was a fake. That was a fake account. That was a fake account that posted that. Huh. Um, but, you know, uh, there's a couple of players, though. Antonio Kite entered the transfer portal for Alabama. So did Isaiah Bond. Um, there was one other player that was, uh, I think it was like a five-star recruit or something that ended up uh, decommitting. Wide receiver. Yeah. I don't know his name. 
But then the guy that the, the guy likes some tweets. The guy likes some tweets. No, Bond's a current receiver with Bama. He's leaving. Uh, he's going to the draft. And then there was a the five star recruit was a senior in high school who was supposed to go to Bama, decommitted. But now the guy is liking like posts or tweets about uh, how good the the Washington coach DeBoer is. So he's like reconsidering. He might re-enroll at Alabama. Well, because he's liking tweets huh. about the new coach. <laughs> like, yeah, he's leaving, but he's not. But he's leaving, but he's not. He's just kind of like playing games, getting some attention. The portal is just I don't know another I, uh, topic for another day. I guess uh, it's gotten crazy. I'll say this though: it was definitely it was definitely a win for Washington overall, though. Because I mean, I mean, yeah, they lost in the national title game, but. Just to get then they have a, then they have then they have a head coach go over to Alabama and take over for Nick yeah, Saban. Yeah. I mean, you know, you you have your you have your uh, uh, you have your university okay. basically back on the map. Absolutely, yeah, and I'm sure they probably got some really good recruits coming in. Hopefully, they don't start leaving with all the decommitting and transfer. But yeah, they they made a big statement. You know, got a lot of recognition. So a lot of a lot of high school players obviously were like, "Wow, maybe we should, you know, open that letter from Washington. Maybe maybe visit Washington. Maybe enroll at Washington." Yeah, they made a huge. It was a great season for Washington for the program. Still, they got an awesome coach now too. Yeah. By, uh, by the way, uh, Kansas City does officially uh, eliminate. Miami, so Kansas City uh, advances to the divisional round, and Miami still has yet to beat a team above 500. Did either? We, I know we all took us three took the uh, Chiefs. Did, did any? Did either one of you guys take the Texans? I thought the Browns were going to win that one, man. You know, I was on the fringe of taking the Texans, but I chose the Browns for some reason. Yeah. Lou, I got your exact picks. So, I'm already, we're we're, we're one on one. Okay. Yeah. I was on the the fringe. I was on the fringe with the Texans, but I don't know why I didn't. (laughs) I immediately was like, this is not good at all. (laughs) I want my money back. I threw down a couple of shekels. He's got it back. It's all good. Once again, McDaniel, but, uh, uh, you know, vaping through his thermal gear. Miami's just totally ill-equipped. They cannot win in the cold <laughs> every year now. I tried to it's warn like, you. Uh, Miami's, they look great when it's 85 degrees out. <laughs> no, they, they, they have yet, and, I, and I'm not counting the Cowboys win because that was, uh, that was literally a last-second field goal. Uh but they, they, this entire season, they did not beat a single team above 500. Yeah. And it's interesting, man. Like, mentally and physically, they're just not used to the cold. It really does. It makes a huge difference. When they travel east, they just, you know, Baltimore kicked the crap out of them. They're, I just, you know what I mean? They're just a fast team. They're used to playing in, you know, the warm sunshine. They're just not built for the cold. Tough to win in the right. playoffs when it's no, cold out. If you can't if you can't play in the cold, it's kind of screwed when in the playoffs. You know, unless you run the table and yeah. you're hosting those games, you've got to go yeah. on the road eventually. 
So it's another year, all this talk about Miami, and they get shellacked again in the playoffs. Uh, good news, by the way, for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we, we have good news for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, an MRI for Stefan Gilmore's shoulder uh, revealed no significant damage. So he is likely to play against the Packers. Um, yeah. The Dolphins were without two key players, though. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle was out with a foot injury today, and Jerome Baker underwent wrist surgery. So they were without yeah, two five. key members of their defense. Yeah, they were hit but, really hard no. by injuries. I'll give, I'll give them that. That is still no excuse, though. You know, uh, against a offense like Kansas City, which I mean, let's be perfectly honest. This is this may be uh, since Patrick Mahomes came into the league. This may be the weakest offense that Kansas City has had. Not scaring anyone like the East Coast. No. No, they're they're definitely very, very, very beatable. But hey, let's go last. Not just not just just real quick on the cow. I, I Lou, what do you think? I think I think the Cowboys are gonna smoke them at home tomorrow. Yeah, I asked. 40, 40, 40 something like forty eight to seventeen. They might just smoke them. I mean, you really think that uh, you know that Jordan uh, Jordan Love is gonna be able to carry the team to a playoff victory? Uh, Steve, you think that'll be close or what? I think Dallas rolls up on them. Uh, I mean, it all, it all really depends on if – I think Jordan Love will get will get the job done for, for, uh, for Green Bay. However, you know, I just I, – I think that Dallas, they just have too much of a high-powered offense. You know, I, I think it's yeah. going to be very hard – I think I think it's going to be very hard for Green Bay's offense to to keep up with yeah. with uh, Dallas. Yep. Now, unless unless it's one of those games where da- that Dallas has like they had against Miami, if it's one of those type of games. Then maybe Green Bay might have a shot if they can if they can hold Dallas to around like maybe twenty four points or so. Yeah, it's entirely possible that they could have a shot, but otherwise, you know, uh, the more the more Dallas scores, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Captain Obvious alert here. Uh, but the more that <laughs> Dallas scores, the more That's my job. in favor it is for Dallas yeah. because I just don't see I don't see Green Bay matching up well uh in a shootout with Dallas. Yeah. Like if it's if it starts off like seventeen to zero, they're just for you know, obviously duh. But yeah, they can, if it gets into a track meet. I just feel like just Dallas at home, you know what I mean? In the dome at home. Everyone watching, I think they're going to put on a fireworks. Yeah. yeah. However, though, uh, do not be surprised if Dallas gets humiliated, if they get pantsed again in the playoffs. Uh, don't be surprised if Mike McCarthy gets shown the door. 
Lou, cover your ears. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I get it. Lou, would you want him gone if he – would you take Belichick? Uh, if they, well, if they lose gonna, the Niners? If they do lose, I mean, he will be gone. Yeah. I don't know if we want Belichick or not, but mm, he will be gone. They're always so talented, man. Yeah, you got Jerry's going to keep yeah. looking for the coach that can win it all. I don't blame him. Well, hey, you know, with, you put Belichick with that lineup or with that roster, and maybe perhaps they do win it all. Yeah. Because that is a very Belichick-like roster that could really thrive if uh, if given the opportunity to be coached by Belichick. It's going to be really interesting to see where Bill where Bill ends up. And if he's given full autonomy, full control of everything, like, he, you know, I think he still wants. Or if he gets humble and accepts something else, like just to be the head coach, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah we'll I see. don't think, you know, I, I think that that's why I kind of think it would be more towards Atlanta or L.A. because if – if Atlanta does hire him, I think that they will get rid of their they will get rid of their general manager in order to hire yeah. him. I um, think to get him to town, I think that owner, like you guys said before, they'll do whatever it takes. Like they'll give him full control. Fill whatever you want. Just come to Atlanta. Yeah. Right. It'll probably be you know, like I said, uh Arthur Blank is probably already presenting him a blank check as it yeah. is. Blank. <laughs> Taylor Swift blank check. Arthur blank check. Oh. Like so, like saying Jesus, I can put a around? whole lot of zeros on this check. Like saying yeah, I can put a whole like lot of zeros more. on this check. You just tell me. Name the number, Bill. Yeah. Yeah. As many as many uh, extra large hoodies. Leave those studies if you want as well, along with a blank check. Well, he won't need he won't need uh, he won't need hoodies in a dome. That's no. true. Maybe still wear them though. It's his look. Sleeveless hoodie, I love it. Uh, one coach who expects to return is uh, Dennis Allen of the New Orleans Saints. And by the way, might I add, that was very scumbaggy of him to run up the score on Atlanta like they did. He, he didn't want to do it. The player, Steve, the players um, in the huddle, the players broke. They, they, they disregarded. They ignored what he said because they wanted to, uh, Jamal Williams who hadn't scored all year. If you look into that. Jameis Winston was like, hey, we didn't, we didn't mean to disrespect anyone, especially not our coach, but we decided that we were going to throw a touchdown, score a touchdown. <laughs> it's just insane. Yeah, the players basically just he, – he said he, didn't, he did not mean for that to happen, that he wanted them to just kill the clock. But, yeah, the, no, the other coach was fuming. But, yeah, Dennis yeah, Arthur claims Smith, it. They did not, he did not want them – fuming. <laughs> he did not want them to score. That's what he says. And, the, and Jameis Winston – He's one of the bigger airheads. He was like, yeah, we basically just made up our own play. We didn't mean to disrespect Coach, but we didn't follow his orders. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. That was uh, 
<laughs> I mean, normally, normally you don't see a lot of coaches blow their lid like the uh, like Arthur Smith did. Especially, I think another thing too was the fact that Arthur Smith knew that his job was on the line, and for him to yeah, basically get blown out like they did. He's already on ten. No, it was yeah, more he was like extra, extra sensitive. Yeah, I think it was more, it was more that you know he had to show he had to show some sort of emotion to potentially try and save his job after that uh, type of performance. Yeah. But I mean, a nine and eight record uh, compared to seven and ten last year for the Saints. Uh, Dennis Allen likely to return next year, uh, considering he hasn't been fired yet. Um, Wink Martindale ended up resigning uh, from the uh, New York Giants after just literally a day after uh, it was thought that he would uh, that he would stay on as defensive coordinator, which kind of which came as a surprise to me because. Uh, Originally, with those reports that came out about how uh, he was at odds with uh, with Brian Dable, you know, normal, normally if you have if you have a coach that if you have uh, if this brings back the Patriots uh, situation, if you have a coaching staff that's at odds with each other, you know, that's that's no sort of recipe for success. You know, yeah, that's not going to work. So, however, yep. though, you know, I am kind of surprised that they went with, that they sided with Dable over Martindale, considering Martindale's uh, tenure. Yeah. Yeah, they were too big ego. I mean, Martindale apparently was thinking he was going to be the next head coach, and they got in a couple big, huge arguments. So, they were like, see you later, Wink. Yeah. Go back to hosting game shows. Ah! <laughs> I know, I know. The wrong one. But still, I mean, I mean, it just, it just came as a bit of a surprise to me, though, because I thought with, with Martindale's record uh, of, of tenure with the club, that they probably would have kept him around before they would have, before they would have kept, uh, uh, Dable, especially after the step back that New York had taken this year. Well, that's, but let's, let's keep in mind, though. I mean, they, they have been I, – I definitely never – you'll never catch me rooting for the Giants, but they they got hammered by injuries. It's like Daniel Jones, Barkley, you know what I mean? But, yeah, True. I mean, Dable's job shouldn't be safe either. I agree with you there. I think it was just more like egos were clashing, and they were just like – you know, Wink was pissing some people off, so they let him go. He'll, he'll definitely be a coach somewhere else, though, quickly. Yeah, okay. Right, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, hell, considering the job he did with that defense, I wouldn't mind if uh, I wouldn't mind if New England brought him on board, potentially. Yeah. Considering yeah. they're going to have a defensive coordinator spot open. That'd be a good move. Winky Winky. Yeah. He um, would be good on with that you know, some good players on the D obviously too. Really good defense in New England. That'd be a great right. hire. 
Uh, also, a little st- a little stat line: uh, Puka Nakua. Uh, he recorded the most receiving yards ever by a rookie in NFL history, with 1,486 yards to finish off this season. He broke Bill Groman's record of 1,473 that was set all the way back in 1960. Uh, he also broke Jalen Waddle's receptions record as a rookie with his 105th catch of the season. So, you know, talk, talk about a guy who, uh, if you remember – you know, the L.A. Rams, they started off the season with no Cooper Cup. And, you know, Puka Nakua was taken, I think, in like the in like the sixth round or something. I mean, you know, it, it goes to show you that you can still find guys in the later round of the draft. Watch them, and Detroit's vulnerable. They got Puka, Cup, and obviously Stafford against his old team, the Lions. Rams could win that. Rams could win that game tomorrow. Is that tomorrow or something? Yeah, it's possible. possible. That's tomorrow. Stafford going back into Detroit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now going over to baseball. Uh First off, with Wander Franco, according to a judge's resolution that was obtained Tuesday by the Associated Press, Wander Franco is now facing lesser charges in the Dominican Republic. Originally, originally he was accused of commercial and sexual exploitation and money laundering, but now he stands accused of sexual and psychological abuse. Uh, if found guilty, he could play. He could face between two to five years in prison. Uh, he has yet to be formally accused, but it appears he'll ultimately wind up facing lesser charges. And it also remains almost certain that his professional baseball career is over in the United States. Uh, as Ken Rosenthal reported earlier Tuesday, that he will likely not be permitted to enter the United States while facing accusations of sexual abuse of a minor, as he could be considered a threat to public safety and wind up having his visa be revoked by the U.S. government. And not just, not just that, but this was also, uh, you know, this sentiment was also echoed by other uh, legal experts as well. So... Needless to say, I think it's safe to say that Wander Franco, uh, and and by the way, from what it sounds like, it sounds like uh, the Rays will not be able to void his contract as uh, due to new language uh, that was put into into the CBA. So they're going to have to pay him the remainder of his deal. And he's basically never going to play ever again in Major League Baseball. Uh, 
So, I mean, it's just the whole entire, you know, Wander Franco situation. It's, you know, we talked about it last week. We talked about it last week. It's just, it's just horrific to begin with. And now, uh, now we find out that, you know, they're probably still going to have to be on the hook for his money too. Mm. So technically he's still going to be getting paid, uh, for essentially up, up until around, I forget, I forget what age it would have been. Um, what age? Well, it was ten or eleven year deal. deal. Ten, ten or ten or eleven year deal. Ten or eleven years. Oh, it's double okay. digit years. It's a decade or more. I forget. Ridiculous. Yeah, he's still getting paid. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, let's Some things see. in life are just not fair. He shouldn't get any money. I was just going to say some things in life aren't fair. I mean, the guy that doesn't deserve money, yeah. he should be in prison. But, yeah, he's got five sports cars, and he's just hanging out. Oh, yeah, he might be in prison for two to five years, potentially. Good. And I, I saw he's not even allowed to travel to the U.S., so, so I, I'm thinking his career is over. If he's guilty, it should be. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. You would think you would think that his career is pretty is pretty much over uh at this point. Even even if you know, even if he returns, you know, he would still be uh he he would st- even even once he gets out of prison, they said it would be very unlikely that he will ever be allowed into the United States ever again. Wow basically, based on these charges. So, and I mean, that, you know, that's coming from legal experts. That's coming from uh, legal experts that have uh, dealt with cases like this before. Um, with, obviously, you know, the possibility that his, uh, that his work visa might get, might get revoked. Yes. So it's yeah, you know, it's just a complete waste of a career, you know, because he he decided to do something that he said he liked, you know, that he didn't regret any second of it. Uh, which I mean, we talked right. about this all last week. So, uh, but basically, that was just the update: is that uh, you know he's facing lesser charges. I don't know how that's even possible, but. Um, Maybe it's because of the fact that the mother was in on it. And that's why he's facing the lesser charges. Uh, The Chicago Cubs, they decided to finally uh, enter themselves into free agency as they signed Japanese pitcher Shotei Imanaga to a four-year, $53 million contract earlier this week. Uh, The Cubs have the option... The Cubs have the option to pick up a $27 million option for 2028 at the conclusion of either the 2025 or 2026 campaigns. If they decline at either juncture, 
Imanaga then has an option to become a free agent at that specific time. So he can become a free agent after 2025 or 2026 if that, if that, uh, if that $27 million option isn't picked up either of those years. It's interesting to see how this guy performs. Not quite the luster. I mean, no one else got, comes close. They're not the accolades. Not all the doesn't have all the hype of uh, obviously not of Otani, but of uh, Yamamoto. But apparently, this guy's right. pretty, pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, they they say he has elite control, uh, but you know the the big the big problem is he doesn't really have. Uh, the tools of an MLB starter. Yeah. Like he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have a huge, like a, like a heavy fastball. Uh, he relies a lot on his changeup, um, which, I mean, he better have damn well elite control because otherwise if that, uh, you know, if any of those pitches end up, uh, End up yeah. going into uh, major major league players' uh, grindhouses, yeah. so to speak. You know, he's he yeah. he 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 has the potential to get lit up in the league. Yeah. Right. We'll see. Get yeah. your contract. They said didn't make enough, you know, I don't know. We'll see if anyone can beat the Dodgers like you've been saying. It's getting ludicrous now. It's Oscar Hernandez. They add another, like, all-star batter. I mean, it's getting ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by, by the way, the Yankees are apparently very busy. Uh, yeah. not, only have, not only have they made an offer to Blake Snell, uh, they are potential front runners for Hector Neris. Uh, in free agency after Maris uh, spent the last two years with the Houston Astros. Um, They also signed Marcus Stroman this week to a two-year $37 million deal, which includes a vesting provision uh, for 2026 that would become an $18 million player option if he reaches 140 innings in the final year of this contract. Meanwhile, hey, Boston, what are you guys doing to improve your rotation? Do you hear that? I hear crickets. Crickets. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Yeah. You could be the Mets and sign another assorted horse manure, too. But, yeah, they're equally ridiculous. The, the Red Sox are doing literally nothing in order to try and improve yeah. this roster. Uh, the Yankees, they also avoided arbitration with Juan Soto, signing him to a uh, signing him to a new uh, to a new dollar amount. Um, oh yeah, speaking of uh, bottomless pits, the L.A. Dodgers. They decided, well, you know what? We're just going to sign every single person in free agency that's available uh, by signing Teoscar Hernandez to a one-year $23.5 million deal this year. Uh, and also, only $15 million of that salary will be paid this year as $8 million uh, will be deferred 
through the years 2030 to 2039. Yeah, we'll pay you in like 25 I mean, years to just come to L.A. It's ridiculous. It's like a monopoly. Like it's like totally, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Bullshit. That's a, that's a good phrase. I mean, seriously, why don't, we, why don't we just call them the L.A. deferrals instead of the L.A. Dodgers? That's a good idea. Because they are deferring everybody. Yeah, they're just turning around really the rules. They are? Yep. No one's ever done it before. Now they're just doing it every single podcast now. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're literally doing it to every for every single contract. Every single contract that they sign. Oh, the, you know what? It makes you wonder with those years, uh with those years coming up after after you know, after Shohei Otani's deal is done, just exactly how bad are they gonna be up against the cap? Good. Yeah, and I never wish injuries on anyone because that's it it sucks. And it's obviously awful, bad karma too. But uh, I, I hope I hope several of these guys underperform. I don't want to see them win 130 games and like just totally win everything easily, you know? Because they're just like it's unfair to the rest of the, of the league, especially the small market. But like no one, no one else has a roster that can, you know. It's just I don't know. They're going around the rules at this point. Yeah. You know, they better hope to God that they win a that they win uh, multiple World Series during that uh, during that contract, because otherwise, uh, you know, obviously Shohei is going to put up the numbers, but otherwise, you know, people are going to be looking at that contract and going, you know, was it really worth the was it really worth sacrificing, uh you know, the amount of money that we could have, that we could have divided up against, uh, amongst other players. Because I, I had a buddy, I was close to him years past, but I, a friend of mine overall, but uh, he's, he's a Dodgers fan. He, personally, he hates Dave Roberts. I never mentioned to you guys, but that just made me think of him. Maybe that's the one silver line. They still have Dave Roberts, who, Love him or hate him. The guy's messed up some critical games for the Dodgers. He's not exactly a world. He's not, true. A, you know, he, he's not a legendary. Uh, man, he's not a legendary manager. So maybe he can just kind of fumble true. away. Maybe he fumbles a couple uh, more titles away, and then Freeman retires or bets something. I, again, I don't want to see anyone get injured, but you know, maybe there's a couple different ways that they don't go on three or four title runs in the next couple of years. I mean, because otherwise, no, it's possible. We want to see them. I want to see other teams at least compete. Yeah, I mean, it's po- it's possible that we could see we could see Dave Roberts uh, blow a couple of these years. Uh, that is, of course, depending on how long they actually keep him uh, as manager throughout uh, you know throughout this uh, this next stretch. You know, for all we know, he could be fired after next year. They might pay like a hundred billion dollars for the first like robotic manager or something to cheat again. Who knows what they'll do? Yeah. yeah, they might they might hire someone else. Maybe Joe Madden. He can like throw his fit and fight with the players or something. There's always hope. They haven't won yeah. it yet. They haven't won the ring yet. And by Maybe the way, you say the Mets up. have done. You say the Mets have done nothing. They at least signed Harrison Bader. I do like that yes, move. They did. 
I live in Mount Vernon now. And that's that's right next door. He's from Bronxville, right next door. So it's it's funny. I was at a deli today, and they had the Har- Harrison Bader. Uh, I forget the name of the sandwich, but it's up on the menu. I like I like Bader a lot. I mean, he they're, gets, they're he at gets, least doing something. He gets injured. He gets injured a lot, but the guy when he's healthy, he's a good spark plug. That's a good addition. But either way, they're they're bargain hunting. Yeah. I mean, Sean Manaya, they're doing all these like little one-year deals, yeah. and they're not paying Pete Alonzo, so it's really really not not looking good right now. Well, that just goes to they're show that the they, they're, they're sticking. That that goes to show, though, that they're sticking to what they told Max Scherzer they would be doing. You know, it's <laughs> not like they're going to be contending. Yeah, and they do have a good yeah. farm system. I like the Bader move, but, yeah, it's, you know, one-year deal, injury-prone. But if he does produce, it's a good move. By the way, uh, I was talking about the Dodgers uh, earlier. You can uh, you can mark the Dodgers down potentially for um, uh, for what's his name for Kenley Jansen. Oh, so God. there's been talk there's been talk that if the if the Red Sox do indeed trade Kenley Jansen, that the Dodgers would be on the list of suitors. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, you wanna you wanna talk about a team already adding on to a stacked uh to a stacked roster as it is, then you add then you bring back Kenley Jansen to that to that bullpen. And you might as well you might as well, might as well just hand them the uh I mean you might as well hand them the trophy already as it is, but I don't know, one team yeah, that's always that's homegrown, one team that's been together for like eh, maybe four four years now, but it's all really young and really good. Atlanta. You never know. They they could they could right. play in a series with them. You know, you get good pitching. Good pitching tends to beat good hitting in the playoffs. Uh, obviously obviously Dodgers are heavy favored, but the Braves might be able to knock them off. Maybe. Atlanta Atlanta did just sign Alex Anthopoulos to an extension through 2031, so there is that. You know, they have their uh they have their general manager for the very uh foreseeable future. Uh also the uh San Francisco Giants they have signed former uh St. Louis Cardinal Jordan Hicks to a four-year, $44 million contract. And according to it. reports, he, he, will, he, will start off his, uh, he will start off his Giants career as a starter rather than a reliever, which, honestly, I don't know how to take that because I'm pretty sure he made his uh, – you know, uh, he he may, he uh, took his lumps as a, as a uh, reliever. You know, he and turned he himself. All right, see, the Cardinals tried him as a starter too, and he got bombed. It, it yeah. worked, maybe even a couple times because he, he's had a lot of injuries. He was like mega hype prospect. He throws like 103. Yeah, he is. It hasn't worked before, but you know, Giants got to overpay, man. They keep missing out on all these other big names. 
Yeah, which is why this is, I mean, it's kind of surprising that they're going to all of a sudden use him as a starter when really he would be best utilized as a reliever, which is what, uh, which is what earned him this contract. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, uh, yeah, there's definitely, I, you know, I, I really don't know what the giants are doing either because, uh, I think, what I'm thinking is this may be their reaction to losing out on Imanaga. Was originally, obviously, they had planned. I know they signed a Japanese center fielder. They just always let them up short. They've been trying to trade, land a superstar for a couple of years now. And yeah. this lineup scares no one. The lineup is just not, not good. It's like a decent offense. They can't, and they sure as hell can't compete with the Dodgers. But it seems the like they planned on having Imanaga as one of their starters. So now, after losing out on Imanaga, they decided to instead sign Jordan Hicks. And yeah, they're just they're they're just hoping that Hicks can continue his success uh, from the bullpen as a starter. Risky. Yeah, it's kind, yeah. kind of risky if you ask me. Um, but uh, we also had – oh, speaking of which, um, speaking of starters, uh, don't be surprised if the Yankees make a, uh, make a move for Dylan Cease. Yeah. Apparently they are uh, – they are very heavy in internal discussions about going after Dylan Cease in a trade. In this corner of the baseball world, the Yankees are getting the guys that the Mets and Red Sox could try to get. The Yankees are just loading up, and the Mets and Red Sox are just twiddling their thumbs. Not looking to spend money. Nope. Yeah. And instead, instead, if anything, Boston wants to shed money. Which makes no sense considering <laughs> okay. they're gonna have the they're gonna have like the third cheapest payroll this year. But yet, yeah, yeah, you guys wanna you guys wanna shed money. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It's embarrassing this it's, it's such a raw deal for the fans. John Henry should get booed uh, also, ruthlessly wherever he is. The the owner of the Red Sox should get hard vetted and booed wherever he goes in town. Yes, it's ridiculous. Well, well, you know, uh, one of the owners, uh, Thomas Werner, or uh, yeah, uh, Werner, he apparently is deciding to show up to uh, Winter Weekend along with uh, with Sam Kennedy. But John Henry, though, John Henry is uh, <laughs> missing in action. So, yeah, who knows <laughs> where not. he will uh, show up next? Hiding out on a hundred foot yacht somewhere, two hundred foot yacht. <laughs> okay. Yeah, probably. He probably uh, is hiding out somewhere. But anyways, uh, that's gonna do it for us this go. week. Uh, we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Um, 
Also, a uh, a little note for Survivor fans. Obviously, with Survivor 46 coming up uh, sometime soon, be sure to keep an eye out on blogtalkradio.com slash missyae as we will be doing the recap podcast once that officially starts up. Uh, but until then, uh, we will see you guys next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Thank you to Lou uh alex and diane for joining me tonight and yeah everybody have a great rest of your weekend